right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. TC, back from wherever I was, undisclosed location. Got my man Cody. Yes, sir. Big week for you. I know. Dream come true. Make a wish week for, for me over here, man. I appreciate it. And then Randy. Guys, it's been a minute. Haven't been on the Sunday Night Pod in quite a while. I know the folks listening have just been lamenting that. So I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to talk uh, about a lot of golf from all across the golf landscape. Thank you for having me. Lovely, lovely. Well, we, we've got an eclectic show for the folks tonight. Randy and I are just refreshed, recharged. Cody was boots on the ground in Augusta uh, yesterday for the final round of ANWA. And uh, plenty going on in the golf world today between LPGA, uh, PGA Tour down at Bolero, and then Live down in Orlando. But, uh, but first, I want to thank our sponsors tonight, and that is FootJoy. FootJoy, the number one shoe in golf, including at the Bolero this week, where nearly 60% of the players were wearing FootJoy shoes. And spoiler alert, more than half the players at the Masters will also be wearing FootJoys. You probably know by now that FootJoy is the shoe of choice for the best players, including yours truly. I was wearing the... the uh, the uh, Metalwood collabs during during my trip down to the Southern Hemisphere. But Randy, did you know the, the Premier Series is the actual shoe that more of them wear than any other shoe? I TCI, literally, I had no idea until you just told me that. I feel I'm going to be a better person, though, knowing that. Well, I know you've got those in, in the rotation, and uh, it's the perfect marriage of style, comfort, and performance. They are comfortable as they are beautiful. And FootJoy has added more options to the line with the new Wilcox for men and the Izet for women. Some of the women's shoes are just, they're so fresh. Like, I wish they, they made the same stuff <laughs> in the men's No stuff. doubt. No yeah, doubt so you're going to say that. I, I say it every time. It's true. Both feature premium full-grain waterproof leather uppers, impeccable craftsmanship, state-of-the-art performance features, and comfort you'll appreciate round after round. Walk in the shoes of the best players in the world. Check out the entire lineup of Premier Series shoes at footjoy.com. We thank them for the support of uh, both this podcast and and a lot of the Thursday LPGA podcasts we've been doing as well. So plenty to discuss this week. I think I think we lead it off with the main event this week, though, and that's Anwa. Whew. Boy. Cody, you were there. I feel like maybe we should get your report first. I mean, from television, though, it was not a for, – for those of us that were wanting to see Rose win, which she did, make history, just add to what is a sterling amateur career, maybe the best amateur career on the women's side. I think it stacks up with Tiger on the men's side. It was a lot of just – uncomfortableness on on saturday watching that final round but did you what was it like on the ground we can go into your whole you know experience at augusta but what, what was the feeling like you know watching rose try to close that it was not what we thought it was going to be granted at the end of the day we got what we what we really wanted and i think specifically from no laying up we're not very shy about it but we wanted rose to win and ultimately that's what we got now, the road of how we got there yesterday was absolutely horrible. 
I did not expect uh, her to start out with a double on the first hole. I did not expect to pull every single drive basically on her front nine and just like clearly just be uncomfortable. But really kind of what started the day is that big, we recorded with her last weekend before she, you know, when, when she first got like into Augusta and she said her dad was not going to be on the bag. They had a game plan. He was going to caddy for the first two days out of champions retreat. They're going to lean on an Augusta caddy and use that knowledge and experience to guide her around the final round of the ANWA. And clearly that was not the case. We know she, she's made comments about it and, and you're going to hear later on her comments about it, uh, of why and, and how that decision kind of came to be. And it, it sounded like, honestly, maybe they just got a little bit too comfortable with a very sizable lead. And then that quickly caught up with them as soon as they hit the ground on Saturday morning and kind of a, a weird warm up for them with knowing that, you know, tea times were kind of moved around and knowing that weather was going to come in. And honestly, I got there very, very, very early. I was absolutely bummed because I thought that I was only going to be, be able to experience Augusta national for like really three hours before the, the horn blew. And I didn't expect spec or uh, patrons to come back because they were worried about the grass. And luckily we did, but honestly, when we came back out of that, the weather delay, I did not expect her dad to be still on the bag. I thought that maybe he would shoot. That would be a good, like, Hey, this is not working out. We're going to go back to plan B or excuse me, plan a and, and use a local caddy and just go from there. But you know, she that held it wild. together. That would yeah, have been she, truly nuts. If she came out of the rain delay, she was what on eight T. Yes, it, it was, it was one of them. By the time that I caught up, uh, you know, long, long line of trying to get everybody back into the gate. So by the time that I caught back up with Rose, she was on the 10 tee box. And it was one of the most uncomfortable round, like second nines of golf I've, I've ever seen. Uh, there was multiple moments within that back nine of we're like, what, what is going on? Okay, we're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. Uh, we, we got that birdie on 13. Everything was going pretty good. We're kind of vibing. Uh, 14 was a okay. We got to 15, hit a good drive left side of the fairway. And we got down there. And honestly, there was a couple moments, uh, on the back nine where like, you could clearly see like Rosen and her dad just disagreeing on things. And the, the kind of the, one of the big culminations of that happened on 15 fairway where they clearly were disagreeing over what club to hit. Rose, adamant, wanted to hit three wood, wanted to go for the green. Her dad, obviously knowing that Rose is one of the best wedge players there is, says, hey, we can just, you know, wins directly into them. We can just hit it down by the water, hit a pitch up. We'll still give ourselves a look for birdie, but you're getting out of here with par. You don't have to bring water into play at all. And it went on for a long time. They discussed this. They were, they were visibly, like, Rose was shaking her hands and gesturing and it, a lot is going on. And I just so happened to be standing by like the Stanford women's golf pod, like their team and seeing them and their body language and how they're reacting and moans and groans and, and Oh no's and, and what is going on? Like she is always so decisive. What is happening right now? That build up to seeing her hit the shot. And like, as soon as she made contact, knowing it's wet and like, what are we going to do now? Obviously goes up. There's a little bit of confusion. 
on where she was going to take her drop at. She was confused on on angles of her her club length of the drop zone. Finally gets it down. Uh, you know, hits a decent pitch up, misses the putt, and you know walks out of there with a bogey. But man, when she stepped up on 16 T, I was so nervous for her, and she probably hit one of the best shots of the day. Cody, were conditions a lot easier after the delay than before? Like just softness and less wind? Yes. The morning, it was like absolutely howling, like whipping from changing directions. As you know, we talk about it all the time is like when you get back in that, that corner of we're 15, 16. And I, I don't think a lot of people realize that like, what is that? Six, that six basically goes like over top of 16 green. It's, it's really wild back there. Um, but in the morning when I was back there, because I walked the whole course as soon as I got there in the morning, you could feel it. It's coming from all over the place. You can kind of feel it and you see it coming and dipping down the trees and kind of running up these little shoots and, and valleys of these holes. Uh, to when we got back out there in the afternoon, it was just kind of like, yeah, it was kind of breezy, but it wasn't like crazy at all. Um, the greens were, I, I think, like held up well. They, they definitely got a little bit softer. Uh but overall, I mean, it, uh, I don't, it, it's very hard to put into words. Uh, it was a, definitely one of those things of like, you had to be there. I'm very, very fortunate to like know people through no laying up through the week in the life that we did on the Stanford women's team. And when you're put like in that close of proximity and they're all like literally going and having body pains watching this back nine, like how it unfolded all the way up until putting out on 18. And like when she missed that low, it was like, oh man, this, this might be gone because it's crazy. It, the it, first, the first time I went to the, to the Anwa or first and only time I went to Anwa was I took my mom a few years ago and that was the year that, that, that rose same thing. She was leading the tournament and then made a mess. I think she made an eight on 13. Yep. We were standing right there and it was like watching a slow motion car crash where, you know, on that one, she pulled her drive left and then kind of, you know, kept, kept compounding it. So it seemed like she kind of conquered her demons on 13 for the most part, but you know, it was like a, a similar situation on 15 where you're screaming at your TV, you're screaming at her dad. And, you know, I mean, it sounds like her dad was, was on the right side of that one yeah but, but there were there were quite a few other moments where bones and several of the other people on the on the broadcast were, were basically like yo like he's over caddying like crazy just like she she plays solo in all these collegiate events just let her play her game and make her decisions you know and he's kind of you know big and i talked about this last week when we had her on the pod and you know he definitely she's the number one women's golfer you know, in the world for, for the amateur rank, she's the number one college golfer in the world. She, she's won everything that she's ever done outside of drive, chip and putt, which was made apparent today, but that's like fake competition. But like her dad kind of, he stands up for himself a lot and, and questions a lot of her decisions. And it's such an interesting dynamic. And, and I don't know how they really do that outside of like, they, cl she clearly has like the immense respect for him. And trust his decision making and the advice that she is or that he is giving her. And he knows when to step in and when to step out. 
But it seemed like, you know, it was a little bit like that last year at Pine Needles and things weren't going completely right all the time. But she always seemed to win out and he would step back and and they would just fire away. That was not the case on, uh, on yesterday. Like there was multiple times where he was like standing his ground on decisions. I remember I went back and watched it specifically on four, that part three, standing his ground about club selection. Five, like those back-to-back bogeys after starting, you know, starting with double, firing up a, you know, getting a good birdie on two, but then just like getting to this kind of like lull when the wind's whipping around and the weather is really starting to become a thing and you could see the clouds and it started to get really, really dark. And honestly, it's probably like, it might've been better for her if it was blown then uh, just to kind of get that break. Luckily, like when it finally was, she had seemed to even it out a little bit, but overall I couldn't imagine what it would be, what it's like for Rose to, to you sleep on a lead for two nights. There's a day where you don't even get to play golf. And I understand that like, Normally, it'd be like, oh, yeah, you go play golf, you, you play, you know, you practice around at Augusta National, you're kind of doing your thing, everything's fine. But Rose also is like stacked media on top of that. So she's doing like every journalist possible who's requested media. She's doing multiple golf channel hits. She's doing, you know, voiceover work for Augusta National Socials. She's very, like, very gracious with her time. All to get to Saturday morning where it's like the culmination of everything that she has been working for. We all know that this was the final trophy that she kind of has has yet to win. And then to get a, a pretty long delay in there after a shaky, shaky start to the round. Man, good, good for her. I'm so happy that she came out on top because honestly, if she... It, it, this whole thing about Rose would have changed an awful lot if she would have lost. You know, and... For and, sure. And everybody, you know, she never really came close to shooting around close to par at Augusta National in, in four times there. Um, I think it would have a lot, brought a lot more questions uh, into, like, where is Rose and what her actual status is in the, in the women's amateur game. Because I know that, like, this was just a bad round of golf at the end of the day. That's all this was. And she's had bad rounds of golf before in her collegiate career in her amateur career and everything else. And she's just rebound. But for some reason she got a demon here and luckily she was able to overcome it. Well, it's also refreshing too, to see her, you know, I mean, you double the first hole and then you come back and you birdie the second. And she, I think she was standing on three T and, or she was standing in three fairway still with a six shot lead. So I'd call it a crowning, but it wasn't because she, she created that lead herself, yes. you know, and then, you know, bogeyed four, five, seven, but then played the rest of the way in after the rain delay in even par, right? Clutch, clutch lag putt on, on, on 18 played rock solid in the, the playoff as well. So, you know, I think the biggest thing for me that is concerning is that's four rounds at Augusta. Now she shot 75 in 2019. She shot 75 in 2021. With, with the infamous eight on 13, 74 last year, and 76 this year. So you'd like to see a little bit of progression there, a little bit of, you know, kind of learning the golf course or, or you know, but, but, it, but, but then again, I'm sure this will, you know, this is a great learning experience for her and it'll propel her to, you know, greater glory in the future even. Yeah, the only thing that I'll say there, so uh, 2019, that 75 that she shot on Sunday, she's 15 years old. 
totally. Uh, that oh, obviously like, being like the inaugural event, the 75 in 2021, like that makes sense. She was in position to do it last year. She just, she just did not play well at champions retreat. She was behind the eight ball right away. And, uh, you know, put a good 74 together. The 76 this year, I, I honestly think a lot of it was like just nerves and man, uh, I'm glad you said that like it's not a crowning because she worked her ass off and played very, very well the first two rounds of this competition to put her in that position. Because overall, at the end of the day, there's only three rounds under par at Augusta National yesterday. Three rounds. I mean, she beat she she still is better than the, the field average for the day. It just is not what we expect from Rosang to go out and shoot a 76 four over on the day. Uh, and like that's just not the golf that she's known for. Totally. I think, I think any disappointment is, is due to like her, just the expectations that we have for her. Yes. Right. Like, you know, like she's, she's a sure thing, right? Randy, sorry. No, that, I think that's exactly right. Like we wanted the, the Tiger Woods moment. We wanted the, the Jordan Spieth moment. I was right there with you guys. I, and it's disappointing. I, I don't think Cody, like you said, in a few years, I don't think that's going to take away in the slightest from the fact that she did win and she will forever be the, the 2023 on what champion it just, yeah, we, I think we all felt a little robbed because we all know we're watching one of the greatest amateurs of all time. And we wanted to see her really put her stamp on things. Um, I think with that said, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, that this course was dis difficult for everybody. It, it's not like she blew up and people were, you know, shooting 67, 68. It was it was a very difficult test for everybody. And I think the thing that really stinks, TC, with with what you said about just her her track record at Augusta, I mean, this is it for her, right? She she never has to come back here. So with somebody like Rory or, you know, take your pick of people who have struggled with Augusta and it's always kind of been a bugaboo for them. Part of that fun is we get to see them every year. You know, they they come back and it's can they win this year? Can they overcome those demons? And that journey now might end with rose i mean i think you know have with her winning this event it's she she like literally doesn't have anything else in the world of amateur golf to win so i think we were making the assumption she's turning pro i it, that's obviously nothing that i've heard official and and there's no word yet but if this is it for rose then yeah it's kind of a bummer that she never quite has figured it out at augusta national but such is life. I, I, I think overall, though, uh, a, a great result for her, a great result for the women's game. And I just think back to like I, you guys, you know, all the stuff with her with her father. I mean, put yourself in his shoes, though, a little bit where it's like you have introduced your daughter to the game. Yeah, totally. You have nurtured her. You have caddied her to a five shot lead going into the, the final round. You get the chance to finish it with her at Augusta national. I mean, I don't really blame him one bit for wanting the bag, wanting to finish that uh, journey with her. I'm just really glad that they did get it done in the end. Yeah. And and we've got a Rose interview that I think we'll, we'll run on the, on the back end of this podcast where she kind of talks about how surreal it was just basically spending the day today at Augusta, spending the rest of the day on Saturday there and, and, going ham in the pro shop and you know all sorts of things <laughs> there but 
Yeah, and thank thanks for DJ for jumping on and doing that because I know like we had a whole bunch of stuff going on. It's a very busy weekend for us. No laying up. It's going to be a very busy week for us. No laying up going into the Masters. So I appreciate DJ uh, taking the time and knocking out the interview. And Rose for doing you know another bit of media after a yeah, crazy yeah, crazy I weekend. I will protest a little bit. Saki Baba, the course was not difficult for her. Uh, she 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 teed off the back. She went off 10 on Saturday morning uh, before the delay, shot 32 on the back nine, and then kind of got put in the cooler during, during the rain delay. Uh, comes out, bogeys three, doubles four, bogeys six, and then birdies seven and eight coming in. So shot two under par, 70, uh, T5. I'm, I, I continue to just be enthralled watching her play golf. She's, she's such a cool swing and just like just a cool character yes she got everything it, it seems working man she, she there's just no like pulling back from her it's constantly full throttle 100 percent of the time like totally totally dig it plus her aesthetic is like yeah money we haven't mentioned jenny bay yet but got to a playoff with rose shot shot two under 70 uh she played her last what 15 holes and three under par uh, on Saturday and, and acquitted herself really, really well. First playoff hole and just, just got, got steep on one on 10 and was down in kind of the Len Matisse uh, territory down there left of 10 green. Yeah, it was, I, I was super impressed with her. I just, her steadiness, obviously stuff in that shot on 17 um, kind of for me, at least coming out of nowhere, right. Uh, fifth year, Georgia student um, missed the cut last year at the at the Anwa. So for her to put together a final round seventy, and she was, I believe, the only person to shoot under par all three days. Um, just a, a an exceptional tournament for her. Kudos to her. She did everything she could have done, and and she made life as difficult as possible for Rose. I got to go back and listen. I'm pretty sure that Jordan selected. Jenny Bay is her dark horse. Really? Which, yeah. Jordan's I was on like, it. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay. okay. <laughs> like, uh, you know, when you start to see that that name floating up there, and she played really good golf. I mean, 69, 68, 70. Even the 70 yesterday, she, she had a, what, she doubled three, I think. Like, was just humming all day long. TC, you know, probably know this more than anybody, but, you know, that playoff was tough there's a lot of Georgia people out there and, you know, everybody's out there. You're like, come on now. Like just, just calm down folks. Everything's going to be okay. But a great, great crowd supporting her out there for uh man. She's a stud. She made every putt when she needed to like had ice in her veins. It just, it just sucks. You know, one bad swing on 10 just absolutely boned her and then, you know, couldn't recover from it. There's a, uh, I, don't know, I was thinking about this in the context of just the tournament itself, like champions retreat props to them for stepping up and, and, you know, hosting the first two rounds of this and everything. What do you, what do you mean by stepping up? Cause I'm sure they're getting a very sizable check. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But also they're, you know, it's, it's prime time in Augusta, right? Yeah. I'm sure, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, and it's good marketing for them. It's not, it's not yeah. all altruistic. Right. But, um, but you know they're they're doing a good thing hosting it. I would I would like to see, I would love to see this either if it can't go to Augusta, 
for all three rounds. I'd like to see it go other places beyond Champions Retreat that maybe have a little bit more soul or a little bit more architectural bona fides. Well, what's the relationship with between National and Augusta Country Club? I mean, there's some overlap with the membership, I think. There's, you know, there's obviously a there's been a financial relationship over the last few years with with the land swap and all that. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a good question as well. Some of it may may come down to you would need somewhere that's like overseeded, right? Like, you know, in order to kind of have two similar grasses um, as far as fairways and, and, you know, kind of not have it be so, so jarring both for the players and for, for, you know, streaming and, and TV. Yeah. But I'd love to see it at, you know, I mean, there's a number of great local courses, like how cool would it be if they went up to Palmetto one of these years, you know, and, and that's another McKenzie course, right. Or, you know, kind of, kind of somewhere a little bit more steeped and bona fides instead of, Hey, the front nine was designed by Arnold Palmer and the back nine by Jack Nicholas, or maybe it's the other way around. At least they <laughs> don't play the player nine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which I'm tough, sure. Tough week. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to player later this, <laughs> this pod, but a um, couple other shout outs. I thought uh, the Swedish young lady, uh, Andrea Lignell, she was, she was fantastic as well. Um, kind of she late. was a really good interview. I, I enjoyed yeah. her post round interviews. She was, uh, she she was such a fun mix between Swedish and just very Americanized, you know, college teenager. It's just so funny. Like every time I picture these very proper Swedes getting dumped into like, like she goes to Ole Miss, exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, some of them going to you know or like the french like when pauline brusen bouchard like like she went to south carolina like madeline going to lsu arkansas has got a great women's program with a bunch of swedes like fsu there's it's just it blows my mind to think of like getting dropped into kind of the rural south as a as a you know 18 year old swedish woman it's just crazy yeah yeah I, I talked to a couple of people following her around. Obviously, they saw the no laying up logo. Gave us huge shout out for that. I didn't realize she's from uh, uh, Gothenburg, which was like, oh, I've been there. That's like really, <laughs> Yo tabore. really yeah. cool, man. Yeah, you could talk all about it. One one other observation I had: Cayetana Fernandez Garcia Poggio. Like, if you're Spanish and you have the two last names anyway. You can't hyphenate. You can't add a third last name. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's like 13 or 14 syllables. Do you know? Okay. I saw this when I was catching up on Slack the other day when you're you're going off on it. Do you know why this name is the way that it is? Uh, her name or Spanish names in general? Well, her her last name. So you, you understand, okay. right? They usually have their, their mother's last name and their Correct. father's last name yes. in their names. Which is totally fine. Yes. So it, this is saying that her father's her father's last name is whatever Garcia Poggio. Okay. So he has a hyphen last name. So you're you're asking her to drop one of the names <laughs> correct. from her family yes. tree. Yes, correct. Because that's what happens in every other society. Like you at some point you have to make decisions. Cause what's like at some point is, is her kid gonna be like let's say her kid marries somebody else that has a hyphenated name. Yeah, well, a long then you name. have four last names. Yep, that's fucking crazy. I think this is one of those things you're gonna get a lot of heat on, which I'm gonna love it. Uh, listen, I'm I'm a very married to a proud, proud, proud Puerto Rican. 
I understand that. But uh, this is one of those things like when we were going over what her last name decision is going to be. And I'm like, well, I, I'm not one of those guys of like, you can take McBride if you want, or you can figure out a hyphen or whatever else. She's like, nah, we got too many last names going in my family anyway. I'm just going <laughs> to go with yours and call it a day, which I love. But I think that's uh, what TC's asking for. We, we were, would be in this situation where it would have been uh, three names uh, with a hyphen in there. It, it, was, it would have been tough. Yeah, I'm, I'm not asking, you know, I'm just asking you to make a decision. It doesn't have to be one way or another. You just got to make a decision, you know, in general. So a couple other notes I had. Anna Davis at the four-shot penalty. Uh, that was Ooh. round one, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a Defending tough way champ to start the day. Comes out, thinks that uh, it's preferred lies lift in place through the whole golf course, fairway and rough. And uh, which in, in what <laughs> my only thing is like in when I, I've i never, never played a meaningful never. golf tournament of any kind. And I would never imagine it to be lift clean in place in the rough. That's just something that I've never even heard of. Now, what she did say, though, is that I believe she said that she asked the her walking score, I think the marker. And he was like, I, I, don't, like, I don't know. I know we're like, you know, playing ball up. Uh, and I guess she took that as like, yep, like send it. We're going to do this twice now, but God, what a horrible, horrible stuff. I mean, okay. Two thoughts. One, you never rely on a volunteer, right? <laughs> if, if you are truly wondering, you have Especially to, cause I don't even think these volunteers have to pay. <laughs> exactly. So you, so we have to question their, their commitment level right from the start. Right. And we know that they can't have all the information. And then two, I would say, I don't know who her caddy was, but like, what's caddy doing? Yeah. You know, like, I feel like that's where, you know, hey, if you want to earn your keep as a caddy, let's let's figure out if, what, what the lift clean and place situation is. She owned it pretty good, though. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say like, you know, ended up shooting 76, but did not let it affect her at all. Had a, a great rest of her round. She's great. I'm, I'm, I'm way in. I'm excited to see see more of her sans bucket though i don't know what's going on she's on team visor now on the weird visor she gotta Listen, get back you know she's gonna be in college i think she's 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 getting cool and i'm you know the, the bucket hat is a high school thing i still can't get cool. past where or why uh they decided to go to auburn this is not a shot against any universities in the great state of alabama so i did some digging boots on the ground action she obviously got offers from almost everyone um, but Auburn, I believe from what I've been told, the only university that offered both her and her twin brother, a scholarship, mm. they're very, very close. They play almost all their golf together. They travel together. It's a very tight family unit. Uh, and I believe that almost like the whole family is picking up and, and moving to Auburn. So huh. that's why. Speaking of fun, how about th there was a, there was a young lady. I don't think we've ID ID'd her. She was wearing an anime tiger you know graphic shirt in like the chant the, the chairman's dinner on the instagram they posted i just thought that was fantastic it's just such a flex best. yeah yeah she was directly behind the riddler <laughs> yeah and I, I i still i've went through and tried to figure out who it was uh i i still i can't identify who that is yeah. <laughs> first time back to augusta for miss kajatani the twenty twenty. What was that 2021 champ? Yep. Uh she shot 84, 78. So kind of knocking a little bit of rust off, I think, there. 
Um, I was disappointed to see Ingrid Lindblad miss the cut. She shot 78-74. <laughs> so in our in our preview show, I, I I said, you know, Ingrid will not shoot herself out of this tournament. She is so <laughs> steady. Somebody's going to have to go and beat her. And what does she do? She doubles the first hole and uh, proceeds to miss the cut. A, a great call by yours truly on that one. Amari Avery had a tough, tough final round. 78 for her, I was expecting. She had... 75, 71, the first two rounds and, and finished T29, made the cut, you know, kind of a tough cut to make, to be honest. And, yep. uh, you know, just, just couldn't get it done on Sunday. But after her performance last year, I was expecting, expecting fireworks from her and, and Jensen Castle really after last year's, uh, NCAAs too. Yeah. The one, uh, the, the, the one I wanted to shout out was, uh, Gianna Clemente making her on what debut she finished tied for 14th. Uh, shot a 76 at Augusta National on Saturday. But still, I think all in all, a, a successful tournament for her. And when you consider that she's 15 years old and also Monday qualified into a slew of LPGA events last summer, it feels like she's going to be the next. I mean, I, I'm not really going out on a limb here, but I, I think if we're looking for the next like big thing in women's amateur golf, that's... That's that's uh, that's your person right there. I, I think over the next three years, that's the name we're all going to be hearing. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm glad you put in there the three year mark because I don't I don't think she has any intentions of going to college. So I think it's uh, ride this out, play amateur golf at a very very high level. It seems like until then, and then turn pro. Also, props to Latana Stone after last year's yeah uh, tough finish to to come back. Shot, shot 72 at Augusta, finished solo eighth. I always root for her when I see her. And then top 10 for Megagane as well. Another promising, promising amateur. We'll see plenty more of here in the, in the years to come. So any coverage thoughts? Any thoughts on, on you know, I, I saw I saw Brandel had some pretty crazy hyperbole. He said the most baffling decision he's seen in 20 years of covering golf uh, about Rose's shot on 15 and then he also said one of the greatest <laughs> lag putts since nicholas in 75 about her her lag putt on on uh, 18 so quite the quite the juxtaposition there yeah i mean i brandle listen i love hyperbole tc it kind of reminded me of our guy todd blackledge who declared that one random uh spurrier drive the, the the best football you know the best drive he's seen in however many years covering college football my my big complaint, and I'm not sure if you guys got to see the Wednesday Thursday action. Like, let me let me start and and very vociferously praise progress. I love that Golf Channel picked up round one and two coverage from Champions Retreat. Compared to having no coverage, it obviously is a step in the right direction. I was just really surprised that the telecast felt. I mean, it felt like not even like a top tier college event. It kind of felt like a, a C level college event to me. And we were only getting shots from seven, eight, nine and 16, 17, 18 at champions retreat. And I, I just was very shocked because the masters Augusta, everything they touch, they just do such a good job with. And I thought that telecast just, the lack of cameras around the course, their lack of ability to follow Rose as she's building a five-shot lead, um, it, it was startling to me. And so 
hopefully next year they can get a little bit more in depth with the coverage and and be able to go you know all over the golf course but that you know nothing to do with the commentators obviously i'm very glad that any golf was on tv but i feel like areas of improvement that that would be a big one for me for next year yes i think it worked out very well for them in round one i think it was uh you got a nice display of who is kind of you know positioning themselves in the tournament it was absolutely brutal on thursday watching the second round there they did not show a, a shot from rose uh like until she came into the you know the camera window they didn't even attempt to put any anything back there and ultimately like if people are the the I want to cut crowd and how exciting it is to watch people make a cut. It stunk. Okay. It stunk. Yeah. I like, was like, it, no, it was, no, show me Rose. Show me the yes, leader. That's all yeah. I wanted to see was like people at the top of the leaderboard. Joe, like, well, it just defeats cool. the purpose of like televising the fucking round. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's, it will it's get something better too. Where like, you know, I get it. It's tough to do two, two different courses, you know, like in the same week for the same tournament. But at the same time, like it seems like with, you know, based on Joel Beal's reporting his fantastic feature in golf digest last week, as far as like Augusta has more money than they know what to do with. And they're spending yeah. it on all sorts of crazy shit. Just like, just foot the bill. And you know, like, that's because, what, yeah, because that's it's exactly a compliment right. to this event. Like this event in what, this is the fourth playing of this event. Yep, It's fantastic. Like they've done, such a good job with it. It's become must-see TV for me. It's one of my favorite events to watch every year. It's probably top three favorite events I've ever attended before. Like the fact that people that that people want to watch it like this is a credit to what you've what you've put forward and what you've what you've uh, created. So lean more into that and just you know instead of going eighty percent of the way there, just go one hundred percent of the way there. Yeah, I think that's exactly well said. Like, if you're going to put your name on it, then I think everybody's rightly going to expect a certain standard. And I felt like the 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 nuts and bolts of the telecast just didn't live up to that standard. I got a couple of bones to pick. With I hope coverage? you guys hear me, hear me out or, on this. Not so much coverage, but overall. But if you got some more coverage takes, I'll, I'll hear them. No, no. Good. <laughs> no, let's, I don't. let's get to yeah. your bones. Okay. Uh, there is an... an Everything at Augusta National is done right. They do, it seems like, you know, everything trying to keep the, the highest esteem and where they view themselves at, at their spot in the game. I'm worried with this event because it has become whitewashed as a college recruiting opportunity for multiple universities. It's like they get the best free marketing possible out of it from team unis to team bags to almost everything. It's something that I, you can quickly see getting out of control unless something is is done about it. I would like to see more individualism out there, like them playing their amateur golf. And I understand that the majority of them, if you go watch the the girls' junior or the the women's, you know, am a lot of them are still rocking their college uniforms, and and I get that, and I understand how proud they are of their program, but it's it's almost. Uh, it's out of control. And the reason why I say it's out of control, because some of them just have like the worst possible looks ever. Okay. <laughs> we need to figure this out. I love it. <laughs> Name names. Like what, what college <laughs> scripting did you hate? Was it a bag? Was it a shirt? Was it a hat? Well, uh, uh, so like TCU is always tough. 
I think the the purple, like, it, are you are you trying to to are you attempting to win here? I don't know if purple and green necessarily go together. No offense to Jensen, the Kentucky stuff stinks. It's really really bad. Like, it, that's probably what pops to like the forefront of my mind. I, the, I don't mind the college bags. It's college bags like, are fine. It's just are you say it, it like, really it's like the clothing. You can't wear your college shit. I just you think they're being it, told it, it, to like, wear the college stuff. Of a place, of a place like Augusta National, who's like constantly. I mean, Rose. Do you think it was an option for Rose to go put an Anwa shirt on for the the ceremony? I don't know if you guys saw the ceremony. She went and changed shirts, and she came out wearing an Anwa shirt. Now Rose has multiple NIL deals and everything, and I'm sure that Adidas would have loved that to be in an Adidas shirt, but it wasn't. It was in an Anwa shirt. That's my pushback. Is like on the NIL front is. You know, if the collegiate stuff goes away, it's just going to look like a pro tournament at some point, right? I mean, it kind of is a pro tournament. A lot of these girls are making a ton of money. (laughs) I mean, shit, at some point we may have the Saudi League, you know, having their their developmental programs. All these these ladies are playing in their developmental program. And then, you know, so you've got Ripper GC or Smash <laughs> GC. You got that that kid out there, too. I'm surprised know? Golf Saudi hasn't gotten into the NL, NIL game yet. God, don't, please don't give him any ideas. Uh, yeah, the best argument I've heard is, like, I just want to see what kind of style they have. You know, let them, let them feel free to dress however they want. You know, Saki at the U.S. Saki Am Bama, yeah. last year was fantastic. So I, 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 I could listen to that. I'm, I'm on board with you. I don't get it. I just, and the thing that like is that I think I, I, it makes, it kind of blows my mind why Augusta, it, it kind of lets them get away with it because it literally is like the, the free, the best free marketing for all of these collegiate programs. You want to yeah. come, come to my school. Don't worry. You're going to be able to, you'll probably work your way on the starting roster. We're going to go to, you know, we'll make it through conference and get into the nationals and and more than likely your second year here if you play really well you're gonna go to anwa i just i don't understand how you how you legislate it out like there's like free speech and stuff right i mean (laughs) well i mean if we look at any other organization they have rule books that cover clothing you can't wear you know logos that are of whatever size you can't wear but but that's a member organization that's not like a you know, an amateur event where these, these ladies aren't, aren't a member of true the organization. Right. So it's like, it would be like the U S amateur, the USGA saying, no, you can't wear a Titleist hat or you can't wear, you know, a Nike hat. Like, all right. Who says who like, fuck off, you know? Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> so, but I, I see what you're saying. I see. But they also saying. can like, they, it seems like they get away with whatever they want. Well, so. I just, I was going to say, I hope they're not feeling pressured by their schools to have to wear the school stuff. Well, I, don't, uh, I wouldn't know pressure. I think they feel pride, right? And that's like really good. But, which is great. And if they feel pride, yeah. they should absolutely wear it. And that's fantastic. I think but, some of the pressure should fall on the schools. Like just produce better shit. <laughs> you know, have better fits. Yeah. Guys, let's take a quick quick break. Talk about Omni real quick. Cody, you've been spending some time at some Omni properties here of late. I am. Proud partner of Omni. You know, as soon as we kicked this off, I was like, why not take advantage of it, right? But I've been able to check out a couple of their properties and I honestly like love it, man. Yeah. Omni hotels and resorts. They've got uh, courses built by some of the most renowned golf course architects, including Donald Ross, Corin Crenshaw, 
my man Billy Flynn, and of course, my guy, the Foz. Mm. I believe those are the ones at Barton Creek, right? In Austin. Yes, sir. They're redoing La Costa right now. Gil's, Gil's got Gil and Jim have shovels in the ground on that. They just completed a full renovation of the Canyons course at Barton Creek by Fazio. Little Sandy by Bo Welling opened at Omni Amelia Island up the road from me uh, about a year ago. And uh, they're hosting the NCAA championships at uh, La Costa 2024, 2025, and 2026. And we'll, we will have an exciting announcement of our own coming up about PJ Frisco here uh, in the coming days as well. So uh, they've got a, a Hans Wagner course out there and then a Bo Willing course as well. So stoked to get out there and see it again, played out there a couple months ago and it was just a delight. So book your trip, get out there to tee it up. Omnihotels.com slash NLU. See what they've got to offer. They got Bedford Springs up in Pennsylvania. They got Mount Washington, Grove Park Inn, all sorts of stuff. Go check them out. Perfect for little short, short vacations this summer. All right, Cody, first time to Augusta. Did it live up to the hype? 100%. That's really cool. Let me just say that is really cool because so much in life fails to live up to the hype. Yeah, I think it's one of these things, Biggie, where I obviously built it up a lot in my head and and you hear lots of stories and you read lots of things and you watch lots of things and you you've watched the masters ever since you're a little tiny kid and for me having this opportunity to go was was absolutely like amazing so for everybody who who doesn't know or doesn't know this like i i took off very very late on friday fully knowing that i only had one badge we were not credentialed there I had a badge for Saturday to go watch the final round of the Anwa. So I, you know, being the good family man that I am, I took up late out of Dallas, flew into Columbia, drove down early, early in the morning. I, I think I landed at like midnight, uh, drove down to Augusta, got to bed at like 2.30 uh, and was wide awake at 5.30, like raring to go, like waiting to go pick up my buddy Joe who caddied for a, a, a young woman. The first two rounds, they ultimately did not make the cut, but hung out with Joe and I was like, this is going to be perfect. Like he's, he caddied at Augusta last year during the Anwa. He knows a lot of, of cool stories and insights. And like, now I basically have like one of the best tour guides ever. So we get out there and right away, I'm looking at weather, trying to figure out what's going on and, and like really scared to, to be kicked out of the course and knowing that like, they're going to get a ton of rain and they might not let everybody back in because their number one goal is just finishing the golf. They don't really care about spectators. They do, of course, but like, you know, protecting the course is, is I'm sure, at the, the front of their mind. Patrons. Patrons, Patrons. Patrons. Excuse me. Patrons. So I get there, and it was like, you know, everybody talks about like Disneyland, and like they clearly talk to somebody because they have one of the most like dialed in entry and exit procedures and the way things are done and everybody is overly nice. It doesn't matter if it's a green jacket or people who are wearing the blue jackets. I don't really know who the blue jacket people are. Security guards, you name it. Everybody was just overly helpful and wanted to make sure that you were having like a good time. I was shocked when I walked in and I was like, there's this long, long line that I'm like, we're just walking past for a very long time. And Joe's like, oh, yeah, that's the line to get into, like, the merch center. And I'm like, it, this thing was, like, all the way back almost to the parking lot. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, we'll we'll figure merch out later. And immediately walked up and, and walked past the merch center. And, you know, 
kind of when you you see the green you know dark lush green grass kind of open up what is like right you know coming down from one tee box and you walk out there and you're like realize number one it's everybody says this it's a lot lot hillier than i thought it was like i even though i've been told that a million million times that was probably the the first thing that i noticed and number two like starting to realize the what well, like overall by the end of the day like the size of the greens like they're a lot smaller than i thought that they were um they obviously have a lot more movement like when you're looking at them on up close and personal and the depths of the bunkers were a lot deeper than i really thought that they were going to be like I think it's five, like those two fairway bunkers on five. Like, you, honestly, I could like, we could stack the three of us on top of each other and you still probably wouldn't be able to see out the top. It's, it, it was nuts. What um, about the gap on 18? What about the gap yeah, on 18? Gap on 18, <laughs> tight, uh, being able to go and like kind of, you know, look back on 13 and see like the new extended T box, how it's like way back there now. And you're like, well, shit, like, okay, I kind of get what they're doing, but like, then listen to like what, Cantley said last week in the podcast. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, it's like, okay, well, it's like, you know, it, it, people aren't really going to like move the ball from that tee anymore. It's You're just going to hit it out there and you can basically, you can hit a fade and like be fine. But it was really cool to be able to see it. And ultimately it's like, you know, obviously it's a big property, but you don't really realize like how close other holes are to where you're at uh, because of you're just used to seeing it on TV. So I mentioned it earlier you know 16 you don't realize that like the you know par three is basically like cutting directly over the top and you would have never known that just based off of tv angles and everything else like that the 16 t box and where you see every year people hitting like these little skip shots during the practice round i'm like wow there's like not a lot of room and that that like bank is pretty severe <laughs> i'm surprised like somebody hasn't fallen in like in the fucking water there yet um and overall like you know seeing the what like the lone palm tree on next to two green uh being down like back in in amen corner and like looking up at the trees you know me i'm like a security weirdo so i'm like trying to spot out like is there like a hide site up there their tree stands like where all the fake people at <laughs> uh you definitely saw some weird stuff back there in the trees though there was a lot more more like covert and blended in cameras everywhere I honestly counted up to a hundred and then I stopped counting. God, uh, I want to go to, I want to go to Augusta and do a security assessment. Yeah. Cody. It was uh, not even walk around <laughs> and watch golf. Just, just walk around and, and, you know, try to try to see what apparatuses they have, they have going on. Well, I think in total I saw, I can't remember if it was three or four overt cameras, like just clear security cameras that, that you could see. Everything else was very well uh, concealed. Unless you're looking for something, you like kind of notice what it is. Like, you know that that fact was pretty cool. Um, the merchandise operations, everything that you hear uh, outside, of, I you know, for some reason I thought you'd go in there and you'd be like, oh, there's all this stuff. And like, you, if you went and you're like, oh yes, they have Holderness and Born and like Peter Millar and like all these other brands. And it's like, no, you have like master's tech. And then you have like this yeah. wall that you pick up and like pick your number and the size and like keep it moving. It was absolute Like there's so there's many like people imports in there. and domestics. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, there's so many people in there. I, I mean, I don't know how they keep that all managed or stocked. It's Dude, the it shipping was, operation. Well, that's the thing is that, so I ended up, I think I, in total, you know, I got, 
I got a couple things. I got Yari a couple things. I got the girls a couple things that just based off of like where they're at in their life and their size, they're going to outgrow it in like two months, which kind of stinks because I probably spent too much money on it. But hey, you only do it once. I don't know if I'm ever going to get back there again. But finally check out, end up spending like 500 bucks or something like that and walk out of the building. And immediately they're like, oh, sir, if you'd like to go to the shipping, it's like right there. Well, I flew out. I just had like, you know, my carry on backpack with like two sets of clothes. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like really good to me instead of trying to figure out some other luggage things to so go in. I think I paid $23 to get all that stuff shipped home. And it was a, a perfect, perfect process. Thanks to their partners at UPS and, uh, <laughs> you know, got my tracking number and was out the door and, and quickly heard the horn buzzing then. And then, you know, kind of a little bit of panic set in because I was like, okay, I walked the entire back nine. We went and walked up through, you know, starting at, at 10 or starting at nine. So walking backwards uh, when we're done with the back nine. So nine, eight, seven, six, five, until we caught up with Rose's group. Um, and I'm like, I haven't seen like the whole golf course yet. So I was nervous that we weren't going to get back out there after the weather delay, but luckily we were. So we went and grabbed a bite to eat went back out, you know, when, uh, when they opened the gates back up and, and watched Rose do her best to hold on. And, uh, man, it was an awesome day. It's, it, it's something that I'll never, ever forget. Cause honestly, I never thought that I'd ever like be able to go there. I think the ultimate cheat code is getting a badge for the ANWA. If people are looking to like have this experience where you can go check out the golf course and like, still be involved and see competition, but have it basically be like free reign of wherever you want to go and not have to like fight crowds or anything like that. Get a badge for the ANWA if you can, because that's like the ultimate cheat code. It's, it's the best of both worlds. It's there's, you know, the crowds are small. Like they, they keep it intentionally small. Uh, it's just a much more intimate experience, but there's, there's still everything on the line. It's like the best of a final round. I think the best day to go to like the masters is like probably Friday. because the tournament's kind of taking shape, but you know, the crowds are still spread out throughout the entire course. If you go Saturday or Sunday, everybody kind of gets bunched up on the, on the back nine, especially. Um, but yeah, you know, the opposite with online. It's just like, you can, if you want to follow leaders, you can follow leaders. If you want to camp out on a hole, you can camp out on a hole. You, you can do a little bit of both. You don't have to plan out your day and have anxiety about, you know, getting, getting blocked out. So, well, Cody, I'm really happy for you. That's, Thank you. Thank you, big. Yeah. And I know like I, I talked to you about it a lot and uh, again, you guys made a, a guy's dream come true. Um, it's something, something that I'll never, uh, never forget because again, you never know like if you're going to have that opportunity again. And, and I'm glad I took full advantage of it. A um, couple weird things. I'll say I've never, <laughs> You know, you always talk about like, oh yeah, the green jackets are like so nice and friendly and they'll, they'll do whatever. Uh, like I, I, I've had people, you know, accidentally bumping into somebody with a green jacket and being like, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. And they're like, oh no, how, how are you doing? My name's Jim. Where are you they're, from? They're and real I'm human like, beings. <laughs> over, you know? like overly nice, um, overly gracious with their time that, you know, ask plenty of questions. Uh, I was walking down. 10 fairway in the playoff and I was walking behind a green Jack who was kind of elderly and kind of what I would say, like kind of overweight. 
And why this stuck out in my brain is because I we were walking down, you know, it's very it's slip, it's wet still, and it's a pretty steep, steep hill. And I saw him reach down and pick up the smallest little piece of, of paper that was on the ground. And I was like, wow, you know, you know, these guys are out here. They, they just love their course, taking care of their course. It's so funny because I'm like, in my head, I'm like, you know, that guy probably doesn't have a lot of, of bendovers left in him because of age, because of weight, because of everything. And he's doing it on a slippery downslope just because of where he's at and what this place means to him. It, it kind of stuck out to me. Um, he respects the supers for sure. It, yeah, it's uh, it was in phenomenal shape when we got back out there. Obviously you could tell a little bit like we're, where the gal or uh, the patrons walk and everything else like that in the pine straw area that it was, you could tell that like rain had been there, but like it felt like the course and you still heard like thump of the greens and everything else. You're like, Oh, like they just, it's like, it didn't even rain here. Yeah. Well, plenty to talk about. I think we will, we'll save most of the master's stuff. We'll do a few housekeeping items on the back end here today, but save most of the master's stuff for our Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning preview. Like I know 15, that that slope in front of the green was seemed to be shaved closer this year than than years past. You know, plenty to talk about, obviously, with 13 and just some other things as well. So, all right, time to thank our last partner of the day, and that is Athletic Greens. Randy, you're you're big on AG1. Yeah, I am. And it actually, you know, with Rose winning on what it it really reminded me. I, so I first started taking it like a year ago, really. We were out in Palo Alto filming the Week in the Life video, and as Cody, I'm, I I can toss it to you in just a second. But you've always been like, "Hey, you need to take a multivitamin. You need to take, you know, you, you just need to support your health better." And I was not in a habit of doing that, and so when the opportunity came along to do the AG One by Athletic Greens, I jumped at it and. It's been really good. I I just feel better, right? It's it's an energy boost for me. And I think in my mind, it's like, well, I know I'm doing at least something to, you know, it help my my gut health, my immune system, all of that fun stuff. And it's very convenient. And I think that's why it's really stuck for me is I can take, you know, a packet. If I'm traveling, I can pack packets on the road. Or, of course, when I'm at home, I can mix it in with water or a smoothie. And it's just, it's it's a very simple, nice part of my daily routine. God, I'm happy to hear that big. Happy, man. <laughs> Do you know the best thing? Not only convenience, but as long as you get it into your routine and stick to it, it's like the best thing that you can possibly do. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good to hear because I, I recently started taking it. My wife's been doing Athletic Greens for like probably over a year now. And... She's like, hey, all great athletes have one thing in common, TC. They take care of their bodies. <laughs> she told me that verbatim. She hit so, you with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've been working out the last, I don't know, maybe six weeks or so. And Good I feel better. And I'm trying to trying to take better care of myself. So uh, a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine. Then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs to go with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash NLU. That's athleticgreens.com slash NLU and check it out. We thank them for their support. And Randy, I'm I'm looking forward to to tracking you and Neil down on the tennis court, you know, getting my strength. I can't back, wait. Getting back to my fighting weight. 
I can't wait. I was just playing in a tournament this weekend, TC. I lost it. lost a hard fought second second round match up in Boulder. But uh, TC, it's not it's not your weight, man. It's your stamina and your flexibility. No, I think if anything, I need to gain weight. But that's neither here nor there. We can take that <laughs> in the track draw. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Valero, Corey Connors, little little Corey Connors gets it done. Bogey free sixty eight on Sunday. Oh, well, let me just say this. I think this is significant for me for two reasons. Uh, I love when people kind of carve out a niche winning a certain tournament. This is his second PGA win. It's his second time winning the Valero Texas Open. He won it uh, in 2019 as well as just yesterday. And also looking at his master's track record, right? In 2020, he finished tied for 10th. 2021, tied for 8th. 2022, tied for 6th. It's uh, it's very intriguing to see him obviously playing very good golf here with the Masters this week. Uh, I think that's a guy you got to look at. We got to be looking at him for a T four, right? Uh, that's what uh, you know. If 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 you love symmetry as much as I do, like that, that would be such a great result. I'm saying he's usually just out there looking to making points, man. That's all he cares. I just got to get my points. I'm not worried about these victories, but I'm happy to see you know. Corey pick up his second win. Happy for Canada. Don't want any shit on this. But uh, I think the reason why he's probably motivated this week because, you know, you usually only get like a good three, maybe four years out of a pair of cowboy boots, and his were running out from last time. So uh, they hooked him up. Uh, I mean, in, in all seriousness, bogey-free round out there on that course. Like, there's some there's some weird shit that can happen out there. Like there's all sorts of – there were a couple, I think – Thomas Dietrich shot like 67, 83 this week. Um, There's actually, massive numbers out there, TC. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, shit, that, this were not hit. Exactly. Like a, a 16 or whatever a couple years ago or yeah. a few years ago at this point. Um, yeah. some. I, I think somebody else had a, a crazy, you know, crazy two round split as well. It's just, it's like, it never fails to amaze. Corey got out to a fast start 64 on, on, on Thursday, they had some weather roll in and, you know, just kind of 64. And then he kind of kept it, kept it on the rails Saturday, Sunday, when it looked like Patrick Rogers, this was his tournament to lose. I mean, he was, he was in complete control, um, you know, shot 66, 67 going out Thursday, Friday, and then 71, 73 on the weekend. And it just felt like, I don't know. I like Patrick Rogers. I got nothing against him other than his the pace of play down the stretch today on Sunday was was like absolutely egregious. So so I do have that against him. Uh, both like it took him ten minutes to figure out that he was punching out. Like it was the most obvious call. And then and then again, like it took him forever on the green. And it's like, dude, like Corey Connors, like has like he's trying to win the golf tournament, and you're four shots back. Like you're not you're not winning the golf tournament. Step step to the side. Exit stage left, dude. I was going to say, I'm sure the the Stanford SID, the, the marketing folks were licking their chops with with maybe having a, a Rose Patrick double this weekend. Yeah, Martin, he's a, Mark Madsen getting the head coach. Mark Madsen. Of, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, going to the arch rival. Uh, Patrick's a, a, an interesting one. I, I guess I'm more curious of your guys' opinion. You know, he's he's a guy that's been on tour now what this is his ninth or tenth year um very decorated college career just has not gotten over the hump and i i think i guess 
the only thing that really illustrates for me is like there's just so many guys like that right and and it just I think weeks like this just go to show how how hard it is to win and and really to close on the PGA Tour, I guess. Yeah, he's he's kind of had a little resurgence here of late. It seemed like he was he was in in the wilderness for a while there. He's kind of guy like works his ass off. Um, you know, he was down at like I think like low three hundreds, high four or sorry high three hundreds, low four hundreds back twenty nineteen, heading into twenty twenty, and he's kind of worked his way back inside the top top one fifty in the world now. But very much one of those feast or famine type guys too. Plays a lot as well. Like plays a ton of tournaments. You know, I think some of the stories of him practicing are kind of legend around Stanford and everything. Like just does all the right stuff and just hasn't just hasn't won, hasn't put it all together. Shit, he's up to 37th in the FedEx Cup this year. Like he's he's playing good golf and he's playing like he played well in Bermuda, I think, uh, in the fall. He's he's you know, but 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 still kind of feast or famine. Misses a lot of cuts and and you know. When he's in there, it's just like you just got to convert more of them. So, uh, and you got to play faster down the stretch. It's tough. <laughs> so, what? Uh, I was, I was, I enjoyed watching. Gotta admit, hand up. Haven't seen a ton of Sam Stevens, but I enjoyed what I saw. I, I, you know, I, I don't know what his ceiling is or what his upside is, what we can expect, but I thought he acquitted himself very well. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I know he finished second, so that's not a controversial. No, thing, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty like stout finish from him. He hit it to like eight or nine feet on seventeen, eagled that, and then had had like a I don't know eight to ten footer on. Yeah, good look on eighteen. On eighteen to you know get in at at fifteen and see if that held up. That would have gotten him into a playoff, but missed that. But yeah, I mean, big you know massive week for him. Probably locked up his card for next year or his, or his you know his one twenty five. Um, but yeah, just a big week for mules all around, right? The so-called the mules. mule fest. Yeah, <laughs> this was they were kind of it was like a mule drive. You know, I felt like the Cowboys were out there just just driving the mules across the plains of Texas. Which Sam Stevens, he's a he's an Oklahoma State guy, so Cowboy Central, right? Uh, you had Sam Ryder out there. He finished T three. Kucher continues his his run of great play. He's uh, he finished T three as well. He uh, he plays really good here. I know like, it's weird. This is his spot, man. Yeah, I wish I would have done a little prep for our for our DK. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny our DK thing. I did like a bunch of dudes that are like pretty good iron players, like Nick Hardy, Hostler, trying to think who else, Matt Wallace, like guys that just I'm like, all right, like that guy can hit a lot of greens because it seems like if you're pretty straight off the tee, you can get it off the tee into the fairway, um, or be able to not hit a bunch of drivers. Like if you can just, you know, bunt three woods and, and that sort of thing out there and then hit your mid irons really well around there. It seems like a great course for you, but Chez T six for Chez as well. Speaking I of the know. mules. You yeah. Know? Was, uh, uh, and Rick, Rick had a good week. <laughs> Snuck in with a little T 10 there with a, a Sunday 66. Rick Podrick, Podrick at T 10. Podrick was, was came out firing 68 in round one. Uh, Robbie Shelton, another guy I'm kind of expecting to heat up here. Final round 67 there. Very interesting to see uh, Hideki teeing it up this week, getting a little Masters prep in. Um, 71 on 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 Sunday, but you know, respectable 68 on Saturday. Finished T15. Cody's boy, big text. Jimmy Walker, T22, mm. gets him up to 139th in the FedEx Cup on his on his get out of jail free card. Uh, Money list exemption this year. 
He's got some work to do. I don't, I don't know why he's my guy, but uh, yeah, we'll take him. Good. I mean, it's good to see him playing, playing okay. Yeah. If he's going to be in these events, play good. He's yeah. doing that. Uh, Peter Malnati went 78-65 on the weekend. Bogey 365 <laughs> today. Love that. So, uh, I don't know. Anything else? A couple other notes I had. We had a Harry Higgs sighting. He kind of lost it on the back nine on Sunday a little bit, but um, good to see him continuing to, to uh, show some form. Ryan Gerard and Nikolai Hoygaard locked up te special temporary membership. I told you guys Nikolai was coming. <laughs> I hopefully, told you guys. Hopefully his boy Rasmus is coming as well. Uh, need to get both of them over here, you know, full time. Uh, and then saw something Aaron Wise WD'd from the Masters. Um, saw yeah. he he uh cited mental health, and I don't know, I just thought that was you know, sending him all the best. And it seems like he's he's been on a tough run of golf here of late and said it's just been a lot. And really respect him just saying the the real reason for why he's taking time off. Um, yeah, you know, I think that's that's cool, that's important, and it you know, it sets a good example that like people can talk about their mental health. So maybe yeah. you've been listening to our podcast. It's okay to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, seriously, all the best though to him and hope to see him back out there. He, he's, you know, he had a great, great season last year and, and, you know, seems like a guy that shit need to get him back for, for kind of the Texas swing. He seems to play, play well down in Texas. I got so. a question for you. Uh, not so much because it's uh, about Aaron wise, but they kind of, I don't know. In my mind, they kind of look the the same. What what's going on with Book, man? Is I see Burgers hitting balls again. Uh, uh, like, is he healed up? When's he gonna try to make a run? What's going on? Have you gotten anything from from Jupe? All the boys living the Jupe life. Like, what was he just fishing still, or or what? I've got I've got nothing, man. I know uh, maybe he's waiting for snapper season here in Florida. That's typically like late June to mid July. It has to be getting a little too hot for him down there. He needs to hit the road, man. I would think so. But yeah, no, it's it was what it was a wrist, a wrist injury. Yeah. So because yeah. man, you if you think he was like the hottest player ever coming out of COVID and just yeah. horrible timing. I feel like Boog and uh Sam Burns kind of have parallels in their games a little bit. Just just you know, pretty greasy on the greens. Um, I don't know. I it's yeah, that's a good point. It's I feel like the tour's better when when he's floating around out there. Can I just say, <laughs> looking at the leaderboard? Sorry, this has nothing to do with that. Uh, I I I I wish him good health, and I hope we see uh, Burger back soon. Jason Duffner, just still doing it. You know, finished tied for what tied for sixtieth this week. I don't think he's had a top 10 since 2019, but man, he's still just teeing it up every week and he'll make some cuts and, you know, kind of finish in that 30 to 60 range, just grinding. And I think he's just somebody I've kind of completely lost track of. And so when I go down the leaderboard, I'm like, oh yeah, Jason Duffner, he's still playing. That's cool. At uh, what point do guys like decide to cut back their schedule? Or, like, at what point? And, and I guess he's made enough money in his career that it's not really a concern. That like, the well, it might be rate, a concern. We don't we don't know what the prenup was like. Could be a true. very big concern. But for like, him. but like, at some point, like you're, it's like a it's like a week to week investment, 
right? And you're like, at some point, if your game's not there, you're throwing, you know, good money after bad play. And, it, you know, it's it costs a couple hundred grand a year to be out on tour. Yeah. And if you're not, you know, drawing, a, a, you know, revenue from winnings. Uh, and, you know, I think I would, I would like, I would, I would imagine that, from a endorsement standpoint, he's not a hot commodity these days, missing a bunch of cuts. It's like, you know, how do you justify that? Or at what point do you, do you continue to justify that? Or maybe that's what makes these guys great. And they just continue to bet on themselves. Yeah. They just always think next week's a week. I don't know. He's 46 now. He's like, he, he's just the, the stereotypical, just counting down the clock to when he turns 50. Oh yeah. Can get he's on gonna, the champions he's tour. Mess those guys up too. Yeah. yeah. Which is crazy uh, because, you know, the, the Duffner story is fascinating, I think, to me, because he spent so long on the mini tours, just like beating, traveling around everywhere, and then popped really quick, uh, got a major, and then just kind of, you know, did did Duff things. Uh, yeah. Looking at his results, though, this year, I mean, he had a, a – he didn't make a cut until – so he missed cuts basically at every single event, starting at Fortinet all the way until farmers withdrew from pebble and then has played very good since then. I mean, T32 in Phoenix made the cut T74 Honda played in Puerto Rico, T44 Valspar, another T36 Corrales cuts. Okay. I was thinking he was just, no, that's the thing. The Mike Weir thing. If you like from, you know, eight to 10 years ago where he's just, he's, he's missing like 27 of 28 cuts and, you know, no, it's not, it's not that. I, I think what fascinates me is I, I would just think given, you know, he's making about half his cuts, let's say. I, I, one of these days, he's got to string together a good Saturday, Sunday, right? Maybe nab a top yeah. 20 at least, but just his ability to kind of finish in that same, you know, 30 to to 70 or wherever that, you know, the, the cut number is, is, is a little uncanny here over these last several years. <laughs> Uh, speaking of cuts, James Hahn, 8074, uh, our favorite, favorite mule. Um, our, I guess Ryan Armour would be our favorite mule, right? Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody can have their own favorite mule. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, seeing Francesco Molinari down there with James Hahn, who's, you know, man, another guy who, who had a moment there. Molinari was playing some decent golf, I think, earlier this year. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of keen to see what the next few years look like for him. Shall we talk some LPGA? Yes. Let's do it. Great event this week. A I've fun little watching. event. Yeah. Palos Verdes, the DIO Implant Classic, I think. Uh, Rancho Palos Verdes. Never been to that area of, of, of L.A. before. Well, as well, I just got to correct the DIO implant LA Open this year, TC, oh. which they've 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 captured the LA Open tag Open. from from Wilshire. Huh. I'm I'm probably not going to pronounce this right. Is it? Oh, I got it. You want me to? You want me to say yeah. it? Yeah. Runin Runin Yin. Runin. Okay. Okay. Had Runin. to watch some videos, and you just okay. got to say it quick and confidently. That's my whole thing. <laughs> Runing Yin, uh, she's Chinese. This was her first win out on the LPGA Tour. Um, got it done. Honestly, had a, a little bit of a, a psycho scorecard. Round. Yeah. yeah, I know. Um, she had three pars in her first 14 holes today. Is that 
six birdies, five bogeys in her first 14 holes, and then parred her last four. Just yeah. To kind of so land she pars, the plane. She, she comes out, she pars one, and you're like, okay, cool, cool. We're just going to have a steady, steady round of golf today. And she goes birdie, bogey, 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 birdie, 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 bogey. And it's like, oh, okay, it's going to be that kind of day. <laughs> well, but, I uh, mean, props for just like continuing to, to keep the pedal down. I know, I know, it's incredible because Palos Verdes is weird and it there's just enough like elevation changes and just some funky holes out there, I think, that that can really throw people off. Um but yeah, she won by driving. one. Yeah. And I was gonna say I, th- I think the story is man, Georgia Hall, another just gut-wrenching runner-up after her runner-up at the drive on. She missed like uh God on TV, it looked like a four and a half five footer which would have tied on 18 um she was she was pretty upset about that um but another great one person who's not looking forward to going to hawaii next week and like just want we just need to get to houston and the chevron as fast as we can is georgia hall yeah, yeah that's exactly right i know she's playing really good golf right now Hawaii's tough too because it's just you gotta you gotta make like you gotta shoot like 63 right 63 64 63 to like even have a chance in that tournament it's insane biggie i'm so happy that you're going here next i think the story of the week honestly it i i'm prone to hyperbole but it could be the story of the lpga thus far patty t patty we certainly hope so i'm not sure if we're ready to just state flatly that she's back but man a tied for third this week a, a sunday 65 just phenomenal she has struggled with some mechanics she's struggled with some mental health stuff um she has all all the talent in the world and for her to seemingly be taking these steps um you know she she followed up a really good drive on week with a with an exceptional week this week i think if if we look at a macro view you know patty t regaining form and inserting herself in the mix week in and week out is about the best thing that could happen on the LPGA tour. Amen. Also, shout out to Georgia Hall. I think she was in like four or five bunkers today. Got up and down every single time. Phenomenal was, wedge. Was, <laughs> her second game is nuts, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Patty T. I, Hugh Joe Kim had a, a really good thing going. She was right in the mix. Bogies on 10 and 12 and 16 got to her carlota kind of entered the the mix for a little bit there um i enjoyed yeah sorry let me just say on on uh saganda she was fun on that i mean she was frustrated on that second nine but it made for fun viewing she had some club toss not like tosses but you know she would hit it and immediately hate it and like drop the club I, i just loved seeing her emotion and when she's on i think she's got one of the prettiest swings on yeah on a tour full of like gorgeous swings She's uh, actually Judy Rankin said it. She's got Spanish hands. Oh, she's had love that that. In the broadcast. Love that. Uh, she is slow though. She plays so <laughs> Listen, slow. Of course, it's so <laughs> bad. Kind of a non-competitive T five for Nelly. Yeah, this was probably you know I think we said this last week about Jin Young Ko like probably her B minus game. You know, just a hey, nice little T five. Keep moving. Anami Katsu final round sixty three uh danielle showing some showing up on the leaderboard uh a tie, a tie a, 
I just can't bring myself to say Titicum. Uh, it's it's Titicool or Titicoon. I, I can't. I can't. I don't see the M there. I just can't do it. I know. You just got to trust it, I think. <laughs> um, Megan Kang was up there for a bit. Um, Lucy Lee was up there for a bit. Uh, she shot. I know, Codeman. Were were you getting ready to stun on people? If uh, she kind of fell off on Sunday, but I was like, "Ooh, Cody might might be chirping at some folks if Lucy Lee has a really high finish." Well, considering, uh, I mean, this is a complete 180 from last week. So yes, I, well, I'm very very I mean. excited. It's yeah. uh, I, I again, you you don't you don't put this whole season together in a week. So we just I need know. something to to jumpstart it, and I think hopefully this is it. Obviously, comfortable back in California, so we'll see. But, I, I mean, the pressure that she felt last week, first full LPGA Tour event, uh, obviously played really, really bad. But, man, it was, it was some promising stuff this week. And the one name ahead of her, I mean, Jess Corda, obviously still trying to get back in there, just getting more reps in. You know, T18, again, for not having her all of her the full stuff, pretty good week. Lucy Lee's whole aesthetic is rules it's oh awesome. it's worth a trip go to lpga.com and just look at lucy <laughs> lee's profile picture it's the best it's it is so good their profile pictures how they're not like uh there's no standardization across any of them it's like we did maybe 30 of the women this week so they have like professional headshots done and then these like 40 other women over here like we just took like random headshots off their social media profile and then there's like this other hundred uh, group of them who are just like random swing picks. There's there's no consistency across it all. I I'd be remiss not to just say Lilia Vu. Yeah. Tied for eleventh. I think, you know, she just continues her great, great play to start the year. You can almost right now count on her to be top fifteen pretty much week in and week out. And then I was glad to see Maya Stark. She really, really had a bad week last week at the drive on, but rebounded for a, a T13, which was uh, more in line with with her good play in 2023. We got a good stretch of uh, LPGA stuff coming up. We'll talk about it in future weeks. But the um, like, what they go to Hawaii, which kind of feels bolted on, and then Houston for for the Chevron, and then they go to Wilshire for the LA Championship. Not to be confused with the LA Open. Correct. Yeah, they're going to take a week off for the Masters uh, and then go out to Hawaii, which, you know, whatever, fine. But then, yeah, the Chevron, the first event at Carrollton Woods in the Woodlands, eager to see that course. And then it's a dynamite run. Wilshire, uh, the International Crown TC from TPC Harding Park. And then Randy, the Randy people are going to get on you for, for calling it Wilshire. What is it, Wilshire? Wilshire. Yeah. Okay, Wilshire, Wilshire. But no, then the International Crown and then the Founders Cup from Upper Montclair, the, the real nice track up in uh, yeah. New Jersey. So good times ahead on the LPGA. couple quick KFT notes. I thought the venue was sweet this week. I just wanted to mention that. They were down in Chile. Uh, guys who shot four under on th Thursday Friday missed the cut. You had to go low. Um, friend of the program, Ben Coles, ended up winning in a playoff over uh, Demetrios Papadatos. Not to be confused with George Papadopoulos. <laughs> like I love seeing the Corn Ferry Tour go to unique places. I think it's I think it's cool, especially this time of year. Uh, and then there was a great social video floating around on Corn Ferry Tour social of Spencer Levine uh, visiting the, the Children's Hospital down in Santiago. It had a real impact on him. I thought that was great. I would, I would go seek that out if, if if you're able. So 
Levine's awesome. He's the man. Uh, one other note I had from just the world of golf before we get into live is uh, Ludwig tripled the last hole, seven, uh, the, the the final hole of the Valspar Intercollegiate, and he still won by one. It's like when David Toms won, won at Quail Hollow way, way back when it was like the Wachovia or whatever and uh, made an eight on the 18th hole, on the 72nd hole, and still won by four. That was like one of the all-time GOAT moves. So. Uh, see, you know, all Rose, you know, she, she didn't win pretty. Ludwig didn't win pretty. Sometimes you just got to, you know, the the the, the great ones got to find a way, even if it's not a dominant performance. So good. Growing pains. Growing yeah. pains. Yeah, Liv was down in Orlando. Randy, your guy Blandy came out, shot 66. Just just came out guns ablaze. Um, really, you know, solid round for him. The cliques. I think they finished fifth mm. uh huge for them brooks got the w i believe torque won anything else you want to talk about from 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 live orlando i mean it's i talked to a couple of people who were down there they said it was it was pretty bleak you know orange county national not 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 exactly a premier venue the merch was overpriced um and some concerning things from some of the guys heading to augusta this week I think that's that was the big thing I just wanted to bring up was it's going to be fascinating to see how the live contingent fares at Augusta and whether, you know, as a cohort, if they perform strongly, then I think it silences the, oh, you know, you're just playing silly golf and it's exhibition. Um, but if kind of by and large they don't perform well, I think it's just going to dump gasoline on on those talking points um i'm really disappointed sorry brooks kepka won we were we were uh uh c c wong kim away from a, a kepka bookend i thought i think it would have been amazing if chase kepka would have finished dfl while brooks uh finished first c wong kim has now finished dfl in each of the three events this year and by like not by a small margin I think he's just their designated mule. Like they, they all need a guy so that nobody takes like dead last. <laughs> nobody wants to be in the 48th spot. So they're, they just hold him around. Speaking of mules, like does Liv have a problem right now with, all right, let me read off like the top 10 to 12 guys on their order of merit or whatever, however you, whatever the hell you want to call it. You got Charles Howell at one and then Uline, Carlos Ortiz, Sebastian Munoz, Brooks, Danny Lee, Brendan Steele, Matthew Wolf, Brendan Grace, and Brandon Grace, excuse me, and Mito Pereira rounding out the top ten with Dean Burmester. I know, Randy, you're a big, big Dean Burmester guy massive. at eleven. I mean, that's they're paying a lot of money for guys like, you know, Mickelson's forty second right now, Watson's forty first, um, Westwood, Varner, Peters, Answer, Bryson. Bryson's playing like absolute ass right now. They're all in the in the thirties in the standings. It's, I mean, it took me five minutes just to get to the standings to find the standings on the <laughs> website, you know, and then we've got a complete midfield battle. Like the, you know, the range goats have finished eighth in all three events. Majestics are 11th in the standings. High flyers are 10th. Um, four aces are first without winning an event yet. It's mm. wild. Mm. So uh, the, the iron heads falling back to earth. They finished third 
out in Tucson, finished 11th this week. Uh, but you got to be concerned with Ripper. Ripper GC finished last this week. And who's the captain of Ripper? Cam Smith. That's the Aussie team. What if Cam Smith shows up to Augusta and lays an egg next week? Wouldn't be good. I mean, if you look at like recent performance, that would, that would be the case. Good. Yeah. yeah. It just stinks. I think that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he shot uh, five under. Yeah. You know, 69. Even today. What, 68, 71? Totally fine. I don't know. I mean, Scott Sergio played like shit this week. There were only five guys over par. Andy Ogletree wasn't even one of them. Mickelson, Oosthuizen, Ogletree were even. Poulter, Garcia, Kepka, Chase Kepka, Matt Jones, and Siwon Kim were the only guys over par. What kind of reception do you think Phil gets next week or this week at Augusta? Very, very muted. Very Just cold. Kind of yeah. pretend he's not there. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, shit, he didn't even get a presser, right? No, no. I mean, he's so going to shoot. There's no way he doesn't shoot like 78 on Thursday, right? Uh, you know what? I could see him coming out and having like a, a just coming out guns blazing, trying to just, you know, hey, man, I'm going to, I'm really going to buckle like try down to turn here. it on, flip yeah, the switch. And then yeah. just, he doesn't have the stamina to go more than like 12 or 13 holes. And then all of a sudden it just falls apart, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and then he and then he lays an egg on Friday. Um, God, it just sucks. I'm not even <laughs> the least bit excited to watch him at Augusta, and I know that's just a me thing, but I yeah. it stinks for me. Yeah, well, there's 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 18 of them in Augusta compared with 22 guys in last year's tourney, and then it feels like it it falls off pretty quickly, um, for the other majors this year, where I, I think I don't think there's 18 because you know because they've got so many past champs, mm -hmm. whatever. So, uh, even the graphics they used to promote it this week were just, you guys see those? No. Um, the Majestics were tweeting out. Some, oh, some well, some I saw dolphins. the ones you shared. Yeah. On our Slack. Yeah. <laughs> I saw something about a helicopter too. What was the hubbub with, uh, with Poulter using a helicopter to fly from his house? I didn't see that. Yeah. I guess he was getting shit on it. Like he, he basically, you know, cause he lives, lives in Orlando but didn't want to get caught up in traffic or anything like that. So I think he just chartered helicopter flight from his house over to the course. Guy just loves private aviation. Well, I don't know. It's super interesting because their, their next event is in Adelaide. And that one's like, by all accounts, it's sold out. The build out for it's huge. A lot of people down in Australia, like, I don't think they're necessarily excited for live. They're just excited for guys like Cam. Golf. And, yeah. yeah. DJ, it's like, you know, I don't blame them one bit. I think, you know kind of tough to separate the two out, especially after the PGA tour has just done nothing but, but Dick over Australia for the last, you know, really since last president's cup they had down there. Um, yeah. They're saying like 60,000 in attendance each day there. Hmm. So we'll see what happens. Um, Alex Maselli had a good piece this week on uh, just a lot of the, the live kind of back office shenanigans going on with saying $180 million uh, either necessary but not approved or unnecessary and completely unaccounted for as far as expenditures on their end. Um, which Guys, as, know, as, as the token NLU CFO, we don't like it if it's unaccounted for. <laughs> That's what we don't like. We also don't like, you know, necessary but not approved either, right? 
No, but if we're gonna if we if we need one or the other, I would I would I, I would lean I would err on the on the former rather than the latter. You know, some people were saying, hey, like, you know, look at the US government. Like they they lose hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars all the time, which, you know, to that I would say yes. Um, but also this is this is a you know, sovereign wealth fund trying to get a return on their investment, you know, not, yeah, not a, presumably not a yeah. war. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so I think that's, that's what led to our guy Majed and Kasla uh, tool get, getting forced out. Now PIF is more involved in the day-to-day -day ops. Uh, it sounds like some players have read the 10 to 14 tournament rule in their contract differently, believing that they are not required to play in more than 10 events, suggesting that if they play the additional four, they should be compensated for those additional events. End quote, which sounds sounds like, hey, like maybe you should, you know, button that up a little bit. Uh, team purses are going back to the team now to net up their expenses versus directly into the pockets of the players, as was the case last year. Uh, now, a funny thing there too is Live owns seventy five percent of each team, so this money is essentially just flowing back to Live, the Saudis. Um, kind of like a you know a circular money flow. Um, and, you know, they are providing the operating capital to each team, which will then be paid back to live uh, when each team is sold, which I can't see that happening for great, you know, any great, uh, great payout there. Uh, allegedly, the penalty to break contract is two to four times the signing bonus, um, which in, in, you know, in certain cases would be three to four hundred million dollars, if not more. Um I'm not sure how that I'm, would be adjudicated, but yeah. So if this would be a thing, I'm pretty sure that they're like registered in the UK, correct? Correct. I wonder what that would actually look like. What what the legal proceedings would be? And we've we've seen stuff from expansion from 12 to 15 teams potentially have, and then as far as like this year's stuff, one to eight guys on the rankings have a two year exemption. Nine to 24 have a one year exemption. 25 to 44 is kind of their their mules. They're in no man's land, but as long as a team wants them, they're safe. And then 45 to 48 are auto-relegated and have to requalify. Uh, they, they believe that, that the 24 season, uh, if there is one, will have 8 to 12 new players spread out amongst the 12 teams, and then some turnover by relegation, some by other relegation by free agency. But then, like, how do you do it where, like, guys are signed as it is, and you're not going to kick – say Paul Casey to the curb, you're not going to kick, you know, Harold Varner to the curb. That's why. And then, yeah. And then we're seeing uh, teams are, are starting to ramp up staff starting to sell sponsorships, but they're, they're trying to staff and that requires live involvement and approvals and everything like that. And live officials are quietly complaining to that. Certain teams are not doing enough to sell their inventory. Huh? <laughs> It feels, feels kind of wild. Just always, yeah. I don't know. Yo, man, you told you told me you told us you'd introduce us to your bookie, man. Uh, yeah. I don't. I just don't have much to add. It just always <laughs> seems like a lot. It seems like a lot, and I just, you know, good luck to everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I I did see the Fireballs have signed up a uh, a Mexican oil company, Akron, as their uh corporate sponsor so good for them well that's cool yeah you know getting in with the wildcatters maybe our guy bunky will be looking to strike a deal <laughs> when Liv gets to tulsa here in 
a few weeks. That's that's the good stuff right there. Let's see here. Let's let's shoot it to to our guy Wolfie for a sec. We did a little segment with him. We'll bring him on here here shortly to kind of intro our uh, our uh, office hours segment that that went live last week. Sounds good. All right, joined now by the one and only Bama Bearcat, Michael Wolfie. What's up, Wolfie? Everybody, it's Masters Week. It's the best week of the year. That's why you're here. Yeah, bringing you in to kind of transition from Valero Anwa Dio Implant Classic Week to Sure Masters Week. Sure. I thought we brought Wolfie in to talk about Live Orlando. I know. I, I, I didn't get the memo. I, that too. Sure. I didn't. That too. Wolfie, <laughs> what do you know about Augusta? I feel like you don't know anything about Augusta. Well, if they had garden gnomes, and I might go down to Orlando. I don't know. <laughs> or first I things first. Yeah. I feel like you gotta you gotta issue a mea culpa of sorts. <laughs> Apparently, I do. Yeah, I will be at Augusta on Thursday and Friday. Anybody who sees me on the grounds, I'll be wearing this hat. Uh, I'll look like this. I'll buy an ice peach ice cream sandwich. All right. I made a little mistake there. I was maybe the victim of a pretty uh, elaborate practical joke by some former friends of mine. We'll call them at this point. Oh, no. That's what it was? Well, I- I'm not a complete rube, right? I-, I do check my sources and my second sources. These <laughs> these fine gentlemen were folks that were in, let's just say, they were in a position to, to play a joke like this because of the color of some of their clothing. So, uh, yeah, they got me. I'm glad it, was the, it wasn't the other way, right? It'd be worse if I told everybody there were going to be peach ice cream sandwiches and there weren't peach ice cream sandwiches. So I'll be out there on Thursday and Friday. If you see me, I will be ha- more than happy to buy everybody a peach ice cream sandwich. I'm as happy as everybody else are coming back. I apologize. Uh, and to my friends, you'll be hearing from me soon enough. So, well, Wolfie, how convenient that you tell everybody what hat you're wearing. And we're on a podcast and people can't can't oh, see you. Oh, I didn't so I didn't know. Yeah. Anyway. Uh it's a green hat. It's a green hat. So I'll be the only guy there on Thursday and Friday with a green hat on. So <laughs> the berry flavored sandwiches. I was kind of excited for those. Well, you know, mixing I had one, it up a little bit. I did have one today and it was delicious, but unfortunately it was a one off, I think. It was funny. You were saying, yeah, nobody nobody in Georgia's growing peaches anymore. It's all what? What do you say? Peanuts and soybeans or something? Yeah, that part is true. I guess it's all blueberries. No, uh, peaches are way down, and it's all blueberries. But uh, they 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 mended, uh, uh, they, they wrangled up enough to uh, satisfy everybody for another year. So, sorry about that, folks. Well, anybody who didn't see our YouTube channel this past week, we released the first iteration of Office Hours with Michael Wolf, kind of our look at angles of golf course history and. You know, different different themes of of tournaments throughout the year. This is the first of many to come. So thrilled for Wolfie to be doing this and for Holderness and Born to sponsor. So check that out if you haven't already. And uh, Wolfie, we've got a couple other things coming out this week too, right? Yeah, we do. So if you liked uh, Office Hours, which was obviously the Masters and Augusta National and how it got to be where it is today, we're also going to do some some you know little shorter slices. One of the next one up is going to be uh, about the Par Three course, evolution of the Par Three course. If you haven't heard, they've got a new par three course this year. Um, it's the third or fourth iteration they've had. And there's been some really cool backstories over the years with potential par three courses that some got built, some didn't get built. Some are going to be public courses. Some are going to have be tied into the PGA of America and be a Hall of Fame. Uh, just a lot of cool backstories with that little uh, piece of uh, land over uh, where the par three course is. And then, yeah, kind of an interesting history of the uh, par three tournament itself. So it'll be a much tighter version. It's going to be a three or four minute version, uh, bite size, not, not the full 
the full office hours treatment. But looking forward to sharing that with Randy loves par three courses. It's his thing. Well, and Augusta's par three course too. Wolfie, I hope you can really dive into the history of all the funnel pins out there and just how disgusting a lot of those uh, pin placements are. That would be much appreciated. Be more than happy to. All right. Thank you, sir. And then check, uh, follow B- at Bama Bearcat on the socials for all sorts of just cool, fun facts throughout the week as well. Yeah. And, and a big thanks to, to Utron and to, um, to DJ and especially to, uh, to Matt Holden with um, that did all the editing. You know, one of our really goals for the series, whether it's talking about a person, a place, an event, is we want to, you know, not just do the same old, same old, right? When they go to, when they have a U.S. Open at Marion and they talk about Ben Hogan's shot in 1950, you know, 1950, or they go to Carnoustie and they talk about, you know, what happened in 1953 or whatever. We want to show you guys kind of the next story and the second story and the third story and the fourth story at these places and about these people. And, and um, Matt and DJ did a great job of helping us dig up some of the old photos and stuff you haven't seen before. So even though a lot of uh, office hours subjects are going to be subjects you've heard of and, and something that you think you know a little bit about, we're going to teach you some new, some new tricks and some new things about some places that you already um, think you like. And um, we're going to tell you even more about them. So some new nicknames fun. too. The yeah. Pimble Crusher. Pimble Crusher, sure. Cal Nagel. How about that? Want to do a quick segment with you tonight about uh something that you'd change about Augusta National or the Masters or just just kind of that ecosystem in general. So you want to lead us off? I, I would. So um one of the things that we didn't cover in the in that first one about you know the masters we talked a little bit about uh, the rough start and you saw in the if you if you go onto the office hours on youtube and you see the how small the crowds are in the videos we show you up to what it is today it's amazing the transformation but but they worked hard at it it was not just all luck or money or power they they, they kind of grind on it and one of the things i found fascinating is they do like a complete 360 review neil, neil would like this i think they you know, the week after the tournament or a couple weeks later, they get every department together, whether it's agronomy or merchandising or competitions or rules. And they, they do like a deep dive and look backwards on like, what can we do better next year? And it started all the way back with Clifford Robertson and Bobby Jones. They've done that. So the challenge for us today, I think, is to do the same thing. So I love it. I have a really hard time finding anything I don't like about it. But if I had to pick one thing, I would say just watching the um, women's amateur event yesterday it's, it does still feel a little bit like a college tournament. And, and I don't understand why they can't at least um, loosen up the exemption categories a little bit. They don't give an exemption, for instance, to the U.S. Um, mid-amateur um, champion for ladies. And that seems like a big missed opportunity. You know, the, they give one to the men. You know, the men have already got things like the Crump and the Coleman and plenty of fantastic places. If you're a good 25-year-old golfer and you can hit it and you're an amateur, believe me, you, you got a pretty good busy full schedule they got the room and it doesn't seem like it would be that tough to, uh, to let in the, the U S you know, and, and maybe even the British uh, mid amateur, maybe even the senior amateur. I, I play a lot of golf with a former um, Curtis cup player in a lady that won the mid amateur, you know, a while ago. And she gets it around just fine from 6,000 yards. And, and um, you know, it, would she compete and win in the tournament this weekend? Probably not, but you know, she can get it around and she ain't going to hold anybody up any more than, you know, than the mid amateur is that's playing, Augusta this week. So that, that'd be mine. Be interested in what yours would be. One change, anything that you could change, one thing. I'm on record already for the last few years as saying, you know, other than fixing seven or taking out all the trees on 11 or that, I it's the it's the 14 and 15 year old division of the drive, chip, and putt. 
you know, it was on again today. The kid that won, yeah, props to him, but like he's a scratch. He's like a point one handicap. Like, go play real golf. Like, go, you know, like nobody watches the Pony League World Series. You watch the Little League World Series. The kids are 12. And then they and then they graduate out of that and they're 13 and nobody nobody gives a shit anymore. And they go play high school baseball and and try to play college baseball and all that. Golf should be no different. That's my soapbox. I totally agree. <laughs> Wolfie, I'll, I'll pick up the torch from you just for the Anwa. Um, I just wish all three rounds were at Augusta. I, I hate that they split it between Champions Retreat and Augusta National. I mean, I get the reasons, right? But if we're purely, hey, what's a change I would like to see? Play all three rounds at Augusta National. I, I think it would be more meaningful as a tournament. Why do you think it, do you think it's trying to protect the course? Why do you think Wolfie just wear and tear? I think they got a lot going on. I, I, you know, they, they play, I believe they play their big jam members jamboree tournament the weekend before the masters. And I mean, just staging of all of the stuff they got to bring in all the tents, there's a lot going on. And I think it's just a, you know, it, it's a, there's no win. You know, what if you get weather? I think there's a lot of moving parts. I agree with you. I, I think it's worth stretch. I mean, I think it's, it's worth doing. Let me put it this way. I guess I think they're smart enough people that if it was that easy to do, they, they would have already done it, right? I I, I I think they've done enough good in recent years that I, I'm willing to now give them the benefit of the doubt that uh, I, I don't think they do it because, like, they only want the girls to be there one day. I, there's got to be more to it than that. Right? Yeah. No, I, I don't think it's necessarily malicious on their part, but it feels a bit like, hey, we're going to have our cake and eat it too. You know, we're going to give them one round at, at the National and, and kind of soak up this whole – tournament uh in our orbit but oh well yeah i agree with that i agree with the anwa and the collegiate event side of it i'm gonna well i, I talk about this a little bit but wolfie I, I was just shocked that augusta lets them rock the amount of collegiate apparel and team uniforms as as it was it seems like they're it, it's basically probably just like a collegiate showcase for a lot of these like big programs of you come to our school like it's it's ultimate like recruiting piece for them i'm just shocked that that there's that many of these women that are out there that are still rocking their team gear and i understand being proud of of where you're at in the program and and the support that they provide you but it was just kind of wild to me it's basically unless you had an nil deal from callaway or TaylorMade, you are just rocking your team gear and some of it is absolutely like horrible to look at well, I would say, I mean, even more than the, um, you know, I don't think that's an Augusta thing as much as like for the young ladies, like, man, showcase your personality, you know? I mean, that's, that's for, for better or worse, like you're, you know, um, you know, show, showing off your sense of style to people the first time they see you on a big platform is a pretty powerful tool. And, um, you know, they're kind of a missed opportunity for them, I would think. But, but the flip side, maybe, you know, the NLI, they're, they're viewing the, their association with the university as their best chance towards the NIL money. And, and I can understand that too, where they feel like they just got to ride hard for, you know, um, whichever university, because they're, you know, they're hoping to pick up the backing of, you know, wealthy alumni or whatever. I can get that too, but yeah, I got to agree. Some of that scripting is tough. Plus, you know, a lot of the, the actual members at Augusta went to these same schools. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got yeah. Randy out there on the first seat talking yeah. to sure. talking to Rose or you know, you got yeah. you got a bunch of South Carolina and Georgia and Vandy people, you know. Yeah. 
I will say, being up close and personal, I know you've been there before, TC, but Condi, I mean, she works the crowd. She she talks yeah. to everyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not just a, a deference to Stanford players that are out there. I mean, she she's all yeah. over the place. It was actually very, like, it was really cool to see up close and personal. Um, Condi and Ginny uh, Romedy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, it's it's definitely, like, they're they're on duty, you know. I, uh, I know this has been mentioned before. I, I'm... Always amazed at the, you know, being the chief security officer of, of Pro Triage Holdings, I, I'm amazed at the everything that I've heard about Augusta National and the, the security protocol that they have and, you know, guys out in the ghillie suits. And I only saw a couple of actual like overt security cameras, but I know there's pinholes and everything all over the place. What blew my mind is the amount of people leaving Augusta National while others were walking in the morning of Anwa with like six bags of shit from the merchandise. I, I, I don't quite understand. I understand. I, I get it's there. All that stuff's there to make money, but there has to be like limits on some of this stuff. I, it, it, it just blows, blows my mind. And the other thing is, is that it was such a madhouse in there. I wonder, I, I want to know, I want them to release like their blotter of how many people were like arrested for what, like what was their offense where 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 is all this information at because that would be absolutely riveting information to me so you you need to you need to start following the bama bearcat uh to two arrests all of last year both for public intoxication both of the uh if you read the you know reports of the incidents both people given multiple opportunities to just you know proceed to the gate and refuse to do so so they i don't think they're looking to you know make their presence felt but two, two folks managed to get arrested in masters week 2022 that's impressive wolfie's got contacts within the pinkertons <laughs> and none of them were none of them were related to gary player i mean that's i feel like that's the biggest upset yeah the merch uh, i would agree though is it seems it's kind of bizarre like to waste your time i mean you know wait until the afternoon whatever gonna happen like yeah the people that are buying the stuff in bulk seems a little now a quick story for you on that i i i, I do know that like at one point, the reporters, uh, you know, people with the credentials, uh, they were allowed to, like on Sunday nights when they picked up their credentials, they were allowed to like go over and have like first choice. And the Masters had to cut it off because, not naming names, but like all the cheap Brit British reporters would go over and like stock up on all like the limited edition Scotty Cameron putters and like the hats that were like one-offs. And the Masters- sell it on the open market. Yeah, like the next morning they'd be on eBay and the Masters finally like got hired of you know, they were like, yeah, you guys can wait in line with everybody else on Monday now. No more, no more uh, Sunday merchandise tent for the reporters. So kind of funny. Well, Wolfie, thank you, man. We'll, uh, again, everybody be on the lookout on our YouTube channel and, and on, on Wolfie's socials. This incredible week. piece, incredible work, Wolfie. It's, uh, yeah, kudos. you know, it, it, the stuff that uh, you're clearly very, very passionate and you know an absolute shit ton about it, but being able to lay it out like that on video. I know it's very, very difficult, and you did an awesome job. Curious for you before you get out of here. What's the feedback been for you? Uh, feedback's been pretty good. You know, it's uh, there's people that want to talk about, you know, uh, the pluses and minuses of Augusta National and things they don't like and everything else. We're trying to make this entertaining uh, at the same time, insightful. It, it's got to be a blend there. We're going to get to things, believe me. There's plenty more to come on Clifford Roberts and, and uh, you know, Jack Nicholas and – Tiger Woods and all kinds of stuff, great stuff. 
the you know we're working on 18 minutes for the first one so more good stuff to come and and i would be remiss too if we didn't thank uh holderness and born for you know their support um they're taking a chance on me and i know they're good partners with you guys but uh you know um thanks to them for you know supporting um a, a piece of golf that I like, you know, I think a lot of people out there like based on the reaction and um, it's nice to have the time and the, um, you know, the support of somebody to, to hopefully do it right. And that's what we're going to keep doing. So thanks. To well, wait guys. till people find out that Oak Hill is not actually on a hill. Right. People's minds are going to be blown next month. It was, you know? it was not anymore. <laughs> so Wolfie, thank you, man. Thanks you guys. All right. And looking ahead to masters, we can cover most of master's stuff next week especially preview stuff course stuff um i did want to say i saw the thing about augusta national prohibiting thirsty journalists media members from taking pictures of their workstations uh i was thrilled to see that what <laughs> why why are you thrilled oh, like it, it's just like the the you know it seems like kind of a a rite of passage for for the thirstiest amongst us to kind of take a picture and show show their bona fide. Hey, I'm I'm posted up in the media center at Augusta. Yeah, you know, show the whole thing and and yeah, they're 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 cutting down on on, on the thirst. That's fine. I guess that's fine. Let me just say, Masters Week, low key, maybe like the thirstiest week on Twitter. It's it's one of the toughest on Twitter for me. I'm. I, I'm, I'm I've been trying to really pare back my Twitter the last couple of weeks, and I might have to keep that going this week. Randy, I'm right there with you, my man. I've I've uh, I've slashed my intake to like four to five minutes a day. Yeah, yeah. Eight, max ten minutes. It's been it's been like the most refreshing thing that's happened over the last. Three. I just got back from New Zealand and Australia, and I was like, holy shit! Like I don't need to be doing this every day. This is <laughs> yeah. so poisonous. Why? Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right. Let me ask you, what do you think of uh, what do you think of Scotty's Champions dinner menu? Uh, I think it's pretty leaves a lot to be desired. Kind of reminds me of something, something my 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 six year old Freddie would 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 pick out for himself. Well, so, so for those that are listening and haven't seen, uh, it goes as as follows: the starters will be cheeseburger sliders served scotty style what scotty style is is anybody <laughs> know you guess got, you got a kick out of that one Randy. yeah uh firecracker shrimp which sounds just like your you know your typical bang bang shrimp uh tortilla soup which listen fine and then the the entrees are either a texas ribeye steak or a blackened redfish with family style mac and cheese jalapeno creamed corn fried brussels sprouts and seasoned fries and then we're gonna have a dessert of warm chocolate chip skillet cookie with milk and uh yeah just milk and cookies i guess for dessert milk, milk and cookies ice cream oh like a, ice, like okay. a cookies and there cream ice cream okay yeah uh not the most adventurous menu i'm sure everybody will I, i'm sure the food will be good and it'll be a good meal it's fine it's fine. Like I'm not gonna, you know, ribeye steak and black and like I love redfish. Uh, I love tort I love everything on this menu. I just yeah, it's know. all it's all great. I just don't know if this would be my my premier choice if I happened to one day win the Masters. That's exactly, exactly. right. Yeah, like this is what I serve the girls. The girls will be like, yeah, I want some more of that bang bang shrimp. I'm like, this is like me a too, Wednesday man. or a Thursday <laughs> night. You know, 
and especially on the heels of of you know Hideki's tour de force performance last year, mm-hmm. right? With he had the the sushi, sashimi, nigiri, chicken skewers, the miso glazed black cod with the dashi broth, <laughs> wagyu wagyu ribeye with yeah. you know, mushrooms and and daikon ponzu, Japanese strawberry shortcake. Like that's that's some. That's some cultured shit right there, my man. Listen, for all we know, that also could have been Hideki's Wednesday night menu. Like, who yeah, knows what he's eating on the true. road? That's true. Yeah. That's very true. What would be on your your menu, Cody? Oh, I mean, I'm thinking of Bang Bang Shrimp right now just because I'm hungry. We've been on this podcast for a little bit, but I don't know. It would probably be some, like, uh, some uh, tuna or, or fish starter. Um I my soup would probably be a uh, like some sort of bisque. I'm a big lobster bisque guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, probably bisque. I would probably go with a little bit like 100%. You know, grass fed, free range Montana beef, uh, just in line with Scotty. Uh, the sides look great. I'm not a big mac and cheese guy. Surprisingly, the jalapeno cream corn sounds delicious. Brussels sprouts, that, yeah. not my thing. Um, I'd probably go like a, a bean option or, or asparagus or something like that. And fries are just, yeah, fries are delicious, but like. We don't need them. We don't, yeah. yeah just, we get don't that need over them. There. Yeah. And then my dessert would probably be, uh, not a lot of people are going to know this, but we call it a Montana mud pie. Uh, it's not a mud pie what you're thinking it is, but it actually is like a, basically like an, an Oreo crusted pie that has coffee ice cream and uh, like a whipped cream on top. It's it's my all time favorite dessert. That sounds delicious, Randy. What about you? Well, TC, we would start with some. I don't know if we could ship in Skyline or if we count on the Augusta chef to do a faithful <laughs> representation. But we would start with just little uh, Skyline cheese conies. We would have mustard <laughs> and onion available, as people like to dress them up. Um, it's tough going from that to anything else, but we 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 got to fill out the menu. Cody, I'm like you. I love a good bisque, uh, something like shellfish, whether it be lobster or, um, God, I had a butternut squash bisque with like lumps of crab meat this winter. That Ooh. was phenomenal. So something like that. I love a good Caesar salad. Um, None of this makes sense, but like my favorite meal would be like a just dynamite pasta, um, something very Italian. And then you would you get the the big old block of cheese out there and be oh you know, shave flum- that oh yeah just <laughs> shave it for that. everybody. Yeah. Randy, Randy, shave that Randy parmesan be, on top. You would be sending one of the one of the live meals around. To, <laughs> yeah, to shave it for everyone. Yeah. And then I think we'd finish it really simply with a nice selection of Grater's ice cream. Again, oh. paying, paying homage to to my Cincinnati roots. I think mine would be pretty similar to Hideki's last year. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think the other one that sticks out to me. I is thought you'd DJ. go full Korean. You'd be like, oh, "Welcome, oh, welcome Korean to my meal." Sick. Yeah, <laughs> or uh, Viet- Vietnamese. You know, TC's got so many choices. Uh, like VJ did a really good job when he won. He had tamarind. Uh, from Atlanta, like it's a Thai restaurant in Atlanta. He had them cater it, and it was supposedly like one of the better ones of all time. Huh. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of different directions you could go with so that. So many, you know, so many. So, uh, let's rifle 
through a, a couple of quick things here. Most of this can we can save most of the master stuff I put in here for the preview pod this week. I do want to talk about uh, about Mr. Player. So, um, first of all, he tweeted out just an insane picture of he and Jack, um, just laughing like absolute ghouls. Uh, yeah, the moments. <laughs> Moments with friends like this never grow old, even if we do. Decades of countless memories Jack and I can reminisce about, especially on the heels of Masters Week, and I cherish our friendship so deeply. We will see you in Augusta Golf World. GP. Um, Let me just say, it seems like Gary, you know, Gary's, what, 87, and certainly doesn't really give a fuck about much these days, and it seems like he's just going to go out guns blazing with Augusta. Yeah, he he told the Daily Mail this week that the Masters is is fourth for him in terms of the majors. Um, you know, very very vociferous on that one. Said so it just doesn't have the history to compete with the other majors. Apparently, he can't get a practice round at Augusta with his grandkids. None of the members will take him out. Which, which hey, you know, I wonder why. Right? Upset. I know. You know, if I'm being honest, like I don't. It's going to take a lot for me to forgive Gary for that stunt that his kid pulled on the first tee uh when they were honoring lee elder that just was the tackiest shit i've ever seen yeah he said uh i've played my role i've won it three times i was in the top 10 15 times i made the most number of cuts in a row ever yet here we are struggling to get around that's one of the reasons why i rate the open number one if it wasn't for the players augusta would just be another golf course in georgia this is from an interview with tom kershaw in the times there's all sorts of other yeah, like it's a fair point but a moot one tom says uh player hasn't actually competed completed a full round of golf for over a month now because he's had a hand injury while riding a, a, a horse on the beach in south africa um let's see here and before that he was playing a lot with dt um he said mother Teresa was one of the most inspiring people i've ever met gandhi nelson mandela president trump i admire uh, admire his principles tremendously. Um, he describes golf as a game of contradictions. And uh, that's good. He's taking that to heart. Yeah. <laughs> he did pick Rory to win. Rory's got the best best swing on the planet. And uh, while claiming most live golfers were right to take the money and run, he admits that he still can't comprehend Cam Smith's decision. While also be still being an ambassador for golf, Saudi. The, the conversation that yeah, the conversation then veers to the youth of today's love of cannabis, Vladimir Putin's war in Ukraine, whether history teachers still cover Julius Caesar and the Trojans, and finally Sir Winston Churchill, my greatest all-time hero, says player. Which, um, spoiler, as I was reading the article, I'm like, oh, yeah, please bring it. I want to hear Gary go off on, on marijuana. I want to hear Gary, like, I can't even imagine what his takes are on the Russia-Ukraine <laughs> situation. Unfortunately, it doesn't really get into that in the article. So, uh, spoiler there, but I'm sure it was a hell of a conversation. <laughs> it gets into some of some of the anti-apartheid protesters wanting to kill him, throwing ice in his eyes and phone books at his back. Um, gosh, all sorts of just you know. I, I would encourage people to read it. It's uh, it's it's truly truly wild. Um, have to do like hook up a. Uh a KVV narration of this interview, like on OnlyFans or something like that for a limited time. See if, see if people would be down to it. <laughs> it's like a nest pod. One, one month. 
the way that he phrases the whole thing too a lot of people assume that i have those privileges but they're wrong if i want to play a practice round with friends i can't just call the pro shop and make those arrangements it makes you wonder how welcome are we really as past champions mm. like god what a what a bad guy I, like i just want to hit him with like yeah welcome to the party man <laughs> I, I can't call up the pro shop either it'd be cooler if i could yeah any reaction to the Cantlay pod this week? Sally's interview with Cantlay. I, let me just say, I just am disappointed because I think, I mean, Cantlay is a smart guy. And I think it was like around the Ryder Cup last year. He he gave some interviews where I'm like, damn, I would love to just hear Patrick, you know, expa expand on certain topics. And I think he's well thought and. I just felt like not much of that came across at all in the interview. And that's not Solly's fault. I, I just feel like Patrick, for whatever reason, was just not really given much. And so just disappointing for me because I think he's smart and he could say a lot of interesting things, whether I agree with him or not. He kept saying, too, like, it was all about setup. It's all about setup. It's all about setup. Meaning? And then, meaning, like, you know, and it was like he was – he was mixing up setup and architecture, I think, a little bit. Yeah. And then he, and he was just making all sorts of false equivalencies and saying, like, well, they would never move the T up or whatever. You know, like, it's like none of these courses that have ever expanded are going to move the T up. It just, like, it just came off as, like, really lazy, closed-minded. And, like, like I think there's, there's certainly, like, anti-rollback arguments to be made. I just don't think he made the right ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, again, big kudos to Solly though. It's uh, totally. one of those rare interviews where, like, it honestly it felt like a a disposition or a, uh, a deposition. Yeah, de excuse me, yeah. felt like a deposition, or I would even go as far as like a, an interrogation of just like getting <laughs> no feedback from. And honestly, is I I kind of chuckled around like this is one of the rare occasions where I wish we could post the video version of an interview pod just so people get like the full feeling of what was going yeah. on. Cause he was just, he was not given anything. There was no wiggle room. Um, yeah. Solly did a hell of a job trying to pivot and, and get more out of it, but it just wasn't happening. Actually, Jeff Shackelford had a really thoughtful piece in Lynx magazine about the limitations inherent with like the Augusta only having two sets of tees too. I thought that got back to some of Cantlay's stuff as well, but some other PGA tour stuff to close it out that I had on my list. Lanny Watkins had some great comments uh, that Luke Curtinine pulled up from like the mid eighties where he's basically calling like, like point blank calling Gary McCord an idiot. And like, <laughs> like essentially like a mule before, like the mule term was, uh, you know, he was like, Dean Beeman's won golf tournaments. I've won golf tournaments. Gary McCord hasn't won shit. He's the one that came up with this whole like fully exempt tour thing. I thought that was really interesting. I would recommend people, people go look at that one. Um, also, thought, in, uh, real yeah. quick, sorry. I, I thought just the the question was, um, but to, essentially around the fact of like, hey, a lot of guys are just have their eye on like, hey, top one twenty five, keep that card. And Lanny just goes, well, I've never viewed the tour as a place that's out here to provide a living for two hundred and fifty people. I'm like, oh my god, preach it, brother. Yeah. Well, it's, it's crazy too to think about. Like Lanny was saying that, and McCord was like one of his colleagues for like a decade in the boot, yeah. you know, on, on CBS. Yeah. Speaking of loud voices in the room, I got a kick out of the shotgun start guys, uh, running down big J's meeting that he had down at Punta Cana 
with uh you know the guys that like that tournament probably shouldn't exist in the first place and i guess only like a dozen guys showed up and then uh da points and robert garrigus were were the most vociferous of the bunch allegedly which is just <laughs> so on the nose it's perfect yeah so yeah um and then yeah eddie pepperell sounded off on the strategic alliance i thought that was interesting i think we can try to get him on here in the next next couple months uh and then bryson said said tigers cut off all communication with him who would have well, thought welcome to the club bryson you're not the Sorry. first not just cut off he didn't reply to his happy birthday text very out of character for him well yeah like, man, like you know you kind of went against everything that he said you also like lied to his face you uh are now involved in a lawsuit like against everything that he's standing for like what what do you expect man all right housekeeping notes and then we'll send it over to, to dj and rose uh, on the back end here, kind of recounting good good twenty five minutes on her her Augusta National experience uh, the last few days. Some cool cool anecdotes as well. But uh, we've got KVV on site up at Augusta all week this week. Look for plenty of written content from him. We'll have our preview show recording Tuesday night. I think we're doing it or Tuesday afternoon, and uh, that'll be up overnight Tuesday into Wednesday Eastern Time U.S. We'll have our high noon live shows Thursday to Sunday. Love the ice watch in full effect in the Yeti, since this is a real major. Uh, and TBD, check Neil's accounts for the Rory Block party details as well. And then, uh, yeah, Randy, we're chopping it Tuesday as well. We are. Yep. Been a minute. Yeah. And then, yeah, we've got the aforementioned Wolfie uh, extra credit thing too. And I think some video. I, I won't. I won't say anything more, but some I think some video folks will like as we get further into April, past Masters week. Interesting, interesting. Well, uh, well, guys, you guys pumped for this week? I'm stoked. Of course, I am so happy. Yeah. Last year, uh, this was uh, last year. This time, this is one of the most stressful weeks that I had. All you chuckleheads were over in the UK playing golf. Oh, that's right. I'm trying God. to coordinate live shows with everyone. <laughs> it feels like for, 10 years ago. For some reason, you guys thought it would be perfect timing if you could play golf all day long, then watch coverage, yeah, then do a live cool. show at like 2 to 3 in the morning. And it just, it was madness. So I'm it's very happy decision. that this year is setting up a little bit better. Well, eyes were a little bit bigger than our stomachs last year. But, <laughs> but actually, you it know was a hell of a trip. Say, it ended up being a hell of a trip. It wasn't a sure. bad decision because it wasn't a decision. Because we That's true. initially made the decision to go in 2020 before we even yeah. had lives, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, anyway, well, boys, yeah. yeah, enjoy the week. Fun chopping it up, and uh, a lot of a lot of good stuff coming this week. So appreciate everybody checking out the podcast and check out the website. Uh, definitely follow KVV's writing. Love it. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Uh, shifting gears a little bit. DJ taking over here to talk with someone you guys might be tired of hearing about on this podcast at this point. She seems like she's on just about every week now. But of course, we're talking about the now reigning Anwa champion, Rose Zhang. Rose, good afternoon. Where, where are we catching you today? Hello. I am right now at Augusta National in a small little meeting room. And it's just been a dream. Uh, I'm walking inside the ropes uh, at Augusta National, and I'm not playing a tournament here, so <laughs> it's finally all over, and I really get to soak in the beautiful nature of the course. What uh, what has today been like? Have you just been hanging out? Uh, drive, chip, and putt is going on. Are you doing a bunch of media stuff? What, what's it been like? 
I've been doing all of the above. Um, I went to go see the drive, trip, and putt little kids. Uh, I was um, in a little media uh, session with a couple reporters, uh, and I was on Golf Channel. So I was doing a bit of media, uh, had a really good lunch, and you know, the food is always good at Augusta National. So it's been very solid. I've even gotten to see the library um, that's at Augusta. It's just spectacular. It's such a good view of the whole golf course and there's so much history behind it. So I think I'm just, I'm just really living life right now. I also bought and splurged a lot in the Augusta National golf shop and it's going to hurt my bank account a little bit, but <laughs> That's all good. It's all for friends and family. <laughs> yeah, that feels like memorable, memorable items to grab. I feel like that's a good week to a good week to lock those down. Uh, all right, I, I want to start here. So obviously, a lot of people are going to be familiar with your your background. Won the USAM, won the US Junior, won the NCAA's, won just about everything. Number one in the world. However, ha has this tournament been lingering over your head now that it's behind you? Now that you have the trophy, what what's your relationship been like to this event before yesterday? It's been incredible. I mean, I played my my first inaugural Augusta National Women's Amateur uh, back when I was 15. And when I was watching Jennifer Cupcho and Maria Fossey, that was kind of the definition of women's amateur golf um, that I really envisioned and ingrained into my brain. Um, with Jennifer holding up that trophy, it's been so incredible to see how her career has flourished. And this is Augusta National. This is Masters venue and the prestige and the entire event itself is so incredible. Um, I wouldn't want to miss it for the world. Um, so being able to win here is something so special and it holds a special place in my heart. For those that don't know, the the format is a little strange in that you have you know two tournament rounds and then a day off and then you go play the final round at Augusta. You had a record breaking first two days, uh, kind of lighting the field on fire. I I'm curious, what were those two days like, and and what was that break day like? I mean, was it was it weird to have you know thirty six hours on such a big lead? What what did that feel like for you? For sure, I think that this tournament is very unique in that aspect where you play to rounds of tournament play and you have this cutoff where you sleep on your position for two nights and then um, you play the final round uh, the last day should you make the cut and in my opinion I think it's kind of like two mini tournaments in one because you're playing on two different golf courses Champions Retreat and Augusta National uh, and there's this entire break in between so it definitely is very challenging for me, at least the last couple years. I've never really performed too well at Augusta National, and it really shows how difficult the golf course is. And I'm just super grateful to be able to even participate in this kind of format. I think it's super neat. Regardless of what happens, everyone gets a chance to play at Augusta. Uh, and that's kind of what we want out of this special week of women's amateur golf. 
What is what do you think it is about Augusta? Not to to focus on any kind of the negatives, but it seems like you've you've burned down just about every golf course in the in the country. And uh, what what has it been about Augusta that's kind of given you a little bit of a struggle? Do you think? It's super difficult from the club selection alone. The winds are always swirling. You never know what's going to happen. And even when you do feel comfortable on the golf course, one minor slip up can be magnified into something so great that you might triple, quadruple, as we've seen in previous Masters weeks and previous annual events, uh, myself included, since that's what I did in my second year of annual. <laughs> but I think that it's just so incredible to uh, see this kind of venue and see all these top amateur players be out here uh, competing for this trophy and I don't know. It's just this place is so special in that aspect. What uh, what was that day off between Champions Retreat and and the final round like for you? What did you do during that that practice round? Was there anything different? How you you must be getting to know the golf course fairly well at this point. But what what's that prep look like? Yes, the prep was definitely directed towards my tournament play and trying to figure out a game plan for possible pin placements that have been here the previous years. Um, I've remembered almost every single pin position on every hole. Um, so I was basically just hitting darts towards those pins rather than hitting um, towards the pin positions that were in the practice round. And that kind of enabled me to understand, oh, this is the club selection today. Um, this is where my ball landed and this is what the ball would happen, um, how the ball would react to um, different kinds of slopes and uh, winds um, in this kind of condition. So um, the prep work was more directed towards just me trying to have a game plan for the next day um, because I do have a big lead and it's something that I want to make sure that I do um, in terms of like playing under pressure um, because game plans are always important, especially when you're in the zone. <laughs> And how has the game plan changed? Because, I mean, NCAA is kind of the same thing, if I remember right. You had a big lead going into that final round. And, I mean, did you shift the game plan at all or is it is it foot on the gas? I'm curious how you attack those kinds of days. I think that it, it depends on the golf course. Augusta National, you can never have your foot on the gas uh, and be super aggressive. Because once you do that, you're putting so many things into play. And if anything... Uh, you go uh, pin hunting uh, and you would end up probably 50 yards away from the hole if possible. Um, it's just something that you can't really do. So that's a little bit more different um, compared to uh, the national championships um, that I was a part of this past year. I don't know. These big leads are certainly very difficult positions. I still need to I, I believe that I have so much more room to improve just from this one event and this performance, which is really, really relieving for me because it allows me to understand that my journey isn't over. Like I have so much to work on and being in big leads um, and kind of faltering is something that I really want to work on, regardless of, you know, even though I may not be the most nervous when I'm out there with that big lead, it's still necessary for me to capitalize on every single golf shot that I have when I'm out there. 
I think I read something from Beth Ann Nichols, maybe about uh, going around during that practice round with the the local caddy that that caddy for Jennifer Cupcho the year that she won. I, I know there was some talk about maybe taking a local caddy in the final round, and and you ultimately went with your dad. I'm curious if you could tell me about that decision and and how that came together. Yes, I was thinking about it prior to coming to this event. Uh, my dad and I were pretty set on getting an Augusta caddy uh, to caddy for me in the final round. But, you know, when you have a big lead and stakes are high and the first two days were working pretty well for my dad and I, it just made sense for him and I to kind of be on the bag trying to go after the trophy. Um, And it's a really cool experience to get to share with him. Uh, especially with being on the final day at Augusta National. So it was an element of comfort and um, kind of, yeah, I would say just being comfortable uh, is something that played a huge factor um, with him being on my bag. Um, And yeah, I mean, Brian was amazing. He gave me so much insight of the golf course, told me a lot about Jennifer Cupcho's different golf shots when she was winning. And it was all so, so cool. Um, But I feel like I would have played really well with him on the bag as well. Um, It's just really special for my dad to be there. So getting into the final round, obviously not the start you were looking for with a double on number one, uh, which is going to happen at Augusta in kind of all the ways that you're describing, right? You miss by a little bit, wind up in the bunker and, and things start to move a little quickly, bounce back with a birdie on two. And then it kind of seems like maybe some driver struggles and, and some pitch outs leading to bogeys. Take me through that stretch kind of before the, before the weather delay. Yes, it was just a whole mess by my definition. I was hitting it left. I was hitting it right. Uh, I really didn't know what I was doing and I wasn't hitting my shot solid at all. Um, and I knew that it wasn't just nerves at that point because I truly believe that there was something that was so minuscule, but definitely changed the entire way that I played my game uh, compared to the last two days at Champions Retreat. And I think I really had that changing moment on 13 where I really did find the problem. And it was just a simple minor adjustment to my grip. Um, and from then on, I was hitting everything pretty rock solid. Uh, I was able to hit some great iron shots into 14. 15 was a little bit rough. 16 was a great iron shot. 17 was great. 18 was solid. It was just I was getting on the green and giving myself chances uh, and with my driver not faltering me as well. How hard... God, it's got to be so hard to try to play a golf course like that in a situation like that when you're also trying to figure out what's going on with your swing. Are, are you usually a self-diagnose your swing, fix it on the fly type of person, or or do you typically kind of stick to the process and and kind of you know stick to to what you know? Uh, I think it's actually both. I believe that I know my swing super super well. I train myself to know every single part of my golf swing. Um, so when I am having slight mishaps on the golf course, I really try to think about what I know and my fundamentals on the golf swing before I make any quick minor adjustments. And I think I always know that my game's there. It's just 
there may be something that's kind of holding me back, whether it's my setup, whether it's my shoulder alignment, it's just all of the above, like whatever um, small detail that you might, I might miss um, could lead to huge, huge um, errors when I'm on the golf course. So I feel like my consistent play has always been because I was able to self-diagnose and kind of adjust really quickly on the golf course when I'm needing to. So the weather delay hits when you're on, I think number eight fairway or something like that. It, was that kind of, was that a gift or a curse for the weather to roll? It was in such a gift. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a gift. I was four over through seven. I was boiling inside, not just nerves. It was just more of frustration because I've had a really, really good couple rounds at champions and I never really had, I only had one bogey and it wasn't because I was, I was doing anything too crazy. It was just a wrong club selection and a poor bunker shot. But this was, this was much, much more serious where I was pulling drives. I was uh, getting in bunkers, punching out, um, trying to save for bogey. It was just everything gone wrong. <laughs> and once the weather delay hit, it really allowed me to scale back a little bit and understand, hey, like, it's fine. Take this little break, get some lunch, talk to your friends, and then come out here with a fresh mind and get going again. So, I mean, what, what do you do during the break? I mean, is it just to eat lunch and kind of try to forget about things? Or are you obsessing over what's going on with the golf swing? Um, no, I wasn't obsessing at all. I felt like if I took a little breather, um, it will naturally come to me in terms of my feel. We had a long enough rain delay to where we were able to go on the range a little bit and practice. So I was just hitting golf shots. And on eight, nine, and 10, it was just, I was still getting a feel for it. I never had that comfortable feeling again until 13 hit. And that allowed me to really kind of switch around my golf uh, round. What do you think was the biggest shot kind of coming in on that back nine? It was most certainly 13. 13 has been a devil to me in the past. Um, but that was the same hole that got me back into the actual tournament. Um, I was able to birdie, gain some confidence, gain some momentum. And from then on, I was able to kind of um, stabilize myself and maintain the round um, the rest of the way, um, which allowed me to get into the playoff because 17 and 18 are very hard holes to close out. And playing with Jenny uh, during the playoff, it's definitely very nerve wracking, but I trusted my game and I trusted that little adjustment that I made, um, which allowed me to hit the ball straighter and uh, more solid. I'm sure you've been asked about it a couple of times in the last 24 hours, but got to ask you about 15. Talk, talk to me about that decision a little bit. It's not a smart decision. <laughs> and uh, as everyone saw on TV, back home, in real life, it was probably the dumbest decision that I've ever made in my golf career. And yes, everything turned out well, but at the same time, it could have been everything that cost me. So I genuinely do think that it's just more room to grow and understand that 
Like, yes, mistakes are fine, but there's a certain time and place for them and anything is possible. So I really kind of keep things into perspective where, yes, everything went my way, but at the same time, you kind of need to minimize these kind of mistakes. But I, I did go for it and went in the water, <laughs> big splash, could have easily laid up and everything would have been a lot better. But I guess it helps because... I had a six-footer for bogey coming back. I blasted my putt by. And that once I made that putt, it gave me confidence to be like, this is the next hole. Just go to the next hole and try to reel yourself back into it again. Six feels so different than seven on, on that hole, right? And and it's it's always hard on on uh this here no laying up podcast to say like, yeah, you know, maybe just maybe just knock an eight iron down there. You know, that, that that's all we need to do. But what what was uh I mean, what was driving that decision? Obviously you're you're figuring something out, you're starting to stripe the ball again. Is it just just confidence in trying to maintain a lead or or how did you kind of get to that position? Yes, it was more confidence in trying to maintain the lead, but also I really um, my dad and I were talking back and forth about it. I wanted to lay up for a little bit and we were talking about, cause I went for it into yesterday or the day before, um, in the practice round. And that allowed me to kind of understand, yes, I can reach it. And I reached it with a five wood, but today circumstances are different. Little lie is not the greatest. Uh, had a three wood in my hand, which will go low if I don't hit it really, really pure. And even if I do hit it pure, it's probably going to go sailing over the green. So all not great things to have in mind. <laughs> and yeah, ultimately I got, I got, um, I got a confidence or a sense of reassurance that this is going to be a smart play, but, uh, was not the smartest decision. There's going to be a lot of people listening to this podcast that can relate to the, uh, ah, well, you know, it'll probably be fine type of... Uh, it'll probably be fine. Yeah. Yes, when you second guess yourself, just think about it. <laughs> Rethink about it before you evaluate what you actually should do. <laughs> so really solid golf after that. Great shot on 16. Great shots coming in 17. You know, awesome two-pot on 18. And get into a playoff, did it feel feel like a, a total reset? Did you feel like you had the momentum? Did you feel like you were chasing? What what was kind of the mindset going into uh, the playoff? You seem kind of beaming, actually, coming off of coming off of 18 green and seeing your teammates and seeing Coach Walker and, and all those people. You, on TV, at least, you looked, you looked pretty happy coming off 18. Yes, I wanted any opportunity for a playoff. Um, if anything, I feel like me performing in that final round not to par is you know it's a wide open window uh for other players to climb up the leaderboard which is exactly what jenny did and i just wanted a part of getting to play and play for the trophy um so with the sudden death playoff it gave me a sense of reassurance where i was like no matter what happens I made it to a playoff <laughs> and um, I was able to grind it out regardless of the outcome, um, which really set me in a good mindset. I saw all my teammates, I saw my coach, and it was it was a motivation for me to just be the best that I can. And um, it just was history from there. <laughs> I, I know, uh, obviously, uh, people who are familiar with us have, have probably seen the film that we made last year about you and the team. And uh, I don't don't think it can kind of be 
touched on enough, but you, you were such a good player coming out of high school that, that clearly could have turned pro and could have gone that route. Uh, I'm curious now, it's, it's been a year and a half, almost two years. Talk to me about college golf and, and truly like what that kind of system has, has meant to you. Cause you could tell how much you were just getting emotional seeing everybody yesterday and what it's, what it's meant to have them around. It's incredible. I would have never imagined my teammates coming to support me and it's the lifelong relationships that I've built at school that really allowed me to be the person that I am today. I really wanted to find my own independence, find my own space and community uh, outside of golf. And even though they are my golf teammates, we don't talk about golf at all when we're off the golf course. Um, and in a sense, even when we're practicing, we don't talk a lot about golf. So I think just having that balance and seeing these people that I love and cherish um, be there to support me. Rachel flew in from Tennessee to support me, and she's been incredible with everything that she's gone through. Um, for her to be selfless and come watch me, um, it just means the whole world. And I think that that really pushes me to really just have that mindset of you are doing this not only for yourself, but you're doing this for everyone. And you're a basic representation of um, their personalities. And I, I really just... I'm so lucky to have them. And college golf has treated me so well. I've been living every single moment um, playing for my team. And I'm just super grateful to represent. Well, last question. We'll get you out of here. So I think people kind of have a, a bit of an idea of what happens when, when a guy wins the Masters, Butler Cabin, Green Jacket Ceremony, all of those things. What what happens when you win the Anwa? What, what, was, what was it like after the after the trophy presentation yesterday? Butler's Cabin is a check mark. We have probably two to three hours of interviews, which is also a check mark. And um, we got to take ceremony pictures, uh, went to Amen's Corner just by ourselves, very private. Um, and it was just a good time. The sun was setting perfect time for photos and it was just such a fun time um, just hanging out and we were on that green we were on that bridge um, for a good while before we ended the day but we had a hilarious story yesterday no one can really say that they got locked in Augusta National <laughs> and that's exactly what me and Rachel the Excel fam we were all stuck in Augusta National. The gates closed on us. We had to call security and it was absolutely hilarious. Um, it's something that I'll never forget because who can say that they got locked in the, the actual golf course? <laughs> Good thing you had your phones. You know, most people would oh, have their cell phones. I had 4% left on my phone. <laughs> so I was scrambling to get a call. <laughs> uh, that's great. I guess actually one, one more I just thought of, but how much of kind of a, a golf, like a pro golf dork are you? I mean, has Augusta always been just, uh, you know, kind of this 
like far away place that that you can't believe you're seeing in real life or have you kind of stuck to your own game what's what's where do you feel on that i'm just thinking about like taking pictures in amen corner and having the whole entire property to yourself is like pretty storybook unbelievable stuff for for any kind of uh you know golf nerd it's so unbelievable i can't believe it that this it felt like a private backyard it's not actually a backyard but it's just that's essentially what it felt like because we were the only people there at augusta and we were there to look at the sunset um despite all the weather delays we had it was just perfect pink skies um and that's just the glory of the golf course um i was i don't know it was just there's no words to describe how beautiful this place is um and i really just realized that it's a special day special moment and you don't get to relive this uh at all so i was taking every opportunity i can to um just enjoy the moment okay this is my last one what was you, you said you spent uh too much money in the merchandise tent what was your favorite thing you bought i bought this little mug um <laughs> this little mug it was like a latte mug um but i'm obsessed with matcha lattes so i plan on making matcha lattes in my little dorm and sipping on them while i'm doing homework so that was my favorite thing that's a, that's gotta be a pretty good look down and have your coffee oh yeah remember that remember that one augusta that was pretty cool remember what i did there yeah i have a i have a master's mug to fit into that <laughs> awesome well rose good to catch up congrats again good luck at ncaa's and everything else you got in front of you and uh we'll, we'll i'm sure we'll if you keep winning i'm sure we'll have you back soon <laughs> thank you so much be the right club be the right club today yeah. Yeah. that's better than most how about him that is better than most Better than most! Expect anything.